Hey guys, welcome to Bag and Broadcast, episode number 413. I'm Chris. I'm John. And I'm Paul. <laughs> We're a weekly podcast that comes to you in three ways. The first being the Weekend Geek, bringing you the top geek stories of the past week. Next is the list, the books that we are looking forward to coming out July 8th, 2020. And we follow that up with our weekly rotating main topic. And this week it's time for our monthly look back, but we're doing a doubled up monthly look back. We're going to be taking a look at some of the comic books that we picked up in May and June of 2020. Uh, for me, I have Green Lantern's 80th anniversary special as well as the Joker's 80th anniversary special. Paul has Vampironica New Blood, number one. John has Batman The Adventures Continued, number one, and Avengers number 33. Yeah. yeah. Those are the books, guys. Those are the books. But what are the beers that we're drinking? And uh, I th- we, all, we all are going with Fruit Boys, right? Yeah, we're all going with Fruit Boys. So, Chris, what's your Fruit Boy? Uh, my Fruit Boy is coming from Boulevard Brewing Company. And this is their Jam Band Berry Ale. And this is a ale brewed with blueberry, red ba- red raspberry, and cherry. 5.9% ABV. Uh, it's been in my fridge for probably about like an hour and a half, but I think it needs to cool down a little bit more, crisp up a bit. Um, it's got a good berry taste and like sweetness on it. It's just right up front. It's like an earthy berry. It's like eating like just a not ripe blueberry, just like that kind of earthy tannin i think chilling it'll cool it off a little bit more and you won't get that kind of dirt flavor at the at the front so it's not bad though i like it i think this would be great uh wet a paper towel wrap it around the can put it in your yeah, freezer, put in the freezer. i'm already done minutes. with it it's i got like two Same. more mouths it's a great way to to chill it pretty quickly i got i got two more mouthfuls left and i'll be moving on to my next one so which will be an ipa i know we didn't talk about it before but uh, and I am having from Dog Fish Head their Fruitful Fort. This is a boysenberry, raspberry, blackberry, and elderberry ale uh, coming in somewhere between 18 and 20%. Uh, bottled on, I can't see the date now, 6 18 18. And um, better times, better times. Yes. Uh, And this beer might have been better at that time. Um, Getting a very vinegary sour from it. Um, I don't know if you guys can see, but there's like. I was going to say, I didn't. I thought you were going to ask if we could taste it. I'm like, no, I'm not getting any of that vinegary at all. Can you see the line that's right there in the bottle? Like, I just don't think it aged too well. uh, And it doesn't. It's not that it's not that great, um, but it could have been the aging process where I had it, um, and uh, yeah, uh, I look for it fresh because it's really good fresh. The berries are really nice, tart, fresh berries. Paul, are you a berry boy today? I'm not a berry boy, but I am a Stone Scorpion Bowl IPA boy. Uh, this has like it's not a really a fruited. IPA, but it is like a spiced IPA. It does have that pineapple-y kind of, you know, uh, fruitness to it, but a tropical IPA kind of fruit flavor to it, but I don't think it's fruited, per se. I already had this open before we said, oh, let's do Fruited Boys, and then I have a very limited fridge stock, so 
This is the closest I got. But this is nice. It's a fun drink. It's 7.5% alcohol by volume. I picked it up in the 1.3, 1 pint, 3.2 fluid ounce can. Known as a what again, John? Stovepipe can. It's a stovepipe can. It's, mm, it's the, tall. The, 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 the bigger it's than a, a tall boy. It's a, a bigger than, a, but I feel like it's thinner than a tall boy. It doesn't have that girth. It's about the oh, oh, can. It's about the it's same. A, the same girth. Okay. So just about. It just seems different because it's so bigger. Mm. I don't know. They all have different. They all have different sizes. Like some of the, um, some of the other guys are really wide <laughs> and a little shorter. But yeah. 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 Some of the guys are really wide. <laughs> Still talking about cans. I'm just, <laughs> yep. Just, Podcast took a weird turn. I know I said let's get this trainer started, but <laughs> Scorpion Bowl not IPA. being serious, guys. We didn't have to take a bet. Right. I don't think it's a juice bomb. I don't think it's a. Uh, so I don't. You know, if you're into the novelty of a stove stovepipe can, this is a fun one to drink. It's got a cool look to it. Uh, I like my tiki drinks. This doesn't replace a tiki drink for me. Uh, I would much rather have a actual painkiller or. My tie instead of this, if that's what I was going for. If I was like, oh, I really want a tiki drink, this doesn't scratch that itch. It's just a tropical IPA. Could you see Abraham Lincoln drinking it with his stovepipe hat? Yes, yes. In fact, he probably would have rather. Could you see him pouring home. the stovepipe can into his stovepipe hat and, and then, then drinking it out? What, and he'd have to be wearing the Hawaiian shirt that Paul's wearing. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. That was the and first was, thing I noticed when you jumped on the call. I was like, he's vacation mode today. Day, John. I, I know. Uh, I, I look good in it. I think I look like uh, like Tom Selleck in Hawaii <laughs> in, uh, in Magnum P.I. In Hawaii Five O. Yeah. Uh, the, the stovepipe Did you see Tom Selleck playing Abraham Lincoln? Pouring the stovepipe can into a stovepipe hat, drinking it. Well, he could never play him because he always has to have the mustache. That's the thing. He would just have the mustache. Would not go the full beard. Uh, those stovepipe craft, craft stovepipe cans in the last two years have become huge. Like, just about everybody is uh, doing them. Usually it used to be just like your Labatt Max Ice and, you know, Coors... And those guys and those tall boys, but um, the, the and craft- Red Dog. Remember Red Dog? Yeah, uh, we had it on the show like eight years ago. <laughs> Maybe longer. Uh, that was Dog Bite. Yeah, uh, but uh, yeah, the craft guys have gotten all into those, and um, they sell really well. No, I was like, we did have Red Dog on the show because I think Ed. Found it. He had to go to like five different gas stations or something, and then he finally tracked it down. Oh, yeah, for for bad. It was like the best of the bad beer. Yeah. yeah. This nine years ago, maybe. Uh, yeah, we're gonna we're we're, we're hitting 11, 11 years. We already passed it. Or today would be. It's okay. either today or last week. Yeah, it's, our anniversary. Yeah, it's right at the end of June. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez! Oh my gosh. 11 years, 1-1. One, one. And we haven't gotten any better, guys. <laughs> nope. I'm I, just joking, but I think we have. I think we definitely have. <laughs> but what's not getting better is the news that we have to bring to people because, man, stuff's still getting pushed back and delayed. Um, 
not to dwell on it too long, but both Mulan and Bill and Ted Face the Music also have been pushed back further uh, from their original rescheduled July dates into August now. Um, And then I saw articles today, too, saying that the major film chains like Cinemark and AMC are considering pushing back their opening dates even further now, which is going to delay more stuff that was supposed to be coming out. Like um, everyone's saying Christopher Nolan's Tenet would be like the first like movie to like be like, okay, well, movies are open. You need to go. You need to go see Tenet. But we'll see. Who knows? Uh, I know the studios are pushing movie theaters to like do some really releases of some older movies. Um, what I say, your cat's going crazy, Chris. Google, stop. Oh, hey, Google, stop. And then I don't know. I said something that set off my Google Home, mm-hmm. just started talking to me. Okay. <laughs> Bizarre, but at least uh, we know the robots will never be able to overtake us because they just make dumb decisions. But sorry, continue, Paul. Uh, not, uh, and I know AMC has been really pushing to get back open, but New York just said that the, even their phase four will not allow movie theaters to reopen. So who knows when movie theaters will be able to reopen in one of the largest markets. I mean, even here in Orlando though, we've completed like all the phases of reopening hooray, but now they've just announced that they're closing down all bars and clubs again for onsite um, cons- consumption. So places are back to doing drinks to go um, which, you know, if it lets them stay open, cool. But again, like every day, Florida has a new record-breaking number of cases. And it's like, yeah, because I still see people, even though there's a executive order in place where you need to have a mask on to be out and about in public, people are still just walking around like it's nothing. It's like, yes, I'm going to have to go through all this again. Please don't. Yeah, it's crazy. Uh, But on on the back of that story, uh, some kind of good news. If you're a Disney Plus subscriber, Disney just announced summer movie nights where every Friday night um, for the upcoming uh, next few actually goes through August. So the next couple months, uh, Disney Plus is going to be releasing brand new movies onto the streaming service. You know, get your butts in the seats watching stuff. Maybe, you know, drinking a beer, eating a Rice Krispie treat, those kind of things. So. I figured it'd be fun just to go over the movies coming out with you guys. And we'll talk about if we're surprised this is showing up on Disney plus and if it's something that we will watch or rewatch, because some of the stuff I don't think we've seen. So mini, right, so mini, okay. mini trivia night, a little, min, little mini. Wait, so are they starting with this Friday, which is Hamilton? So, correct. So starting this Friday, July 3rd, uh, we have Hamilton as well as the Disney classic, the Mighty Ducks. Because they had D2 and D3, but now they are finally putting Mighty the original. Ducks. D- D1. Um, so I'm looking forward to Hamilton. I'll probably watch Mighty Ducks at some point because it's been like 20 years since I've seen that movie, I think. The only reason I haven't watched 2 and 3 is because 1 wasn't there. So I've been waiting oh, for... Oh, yeah. How are you going to know what happens in 2 if you haven't seen the, the first I got to watch them in order. Yeah, they had like the... Was the Rodeo Kid in 2? Yeah, I don't think it was in the first one. There, the the first one because two is when they went to the Olympics, right? And they face face Iceland, yeah. And then three is college, Mm. like they're all go 
that like they're playing for a college scholarship or they're all playing for a college team. I don't remember. I, I think I've only seen three once. Yeah. I don't remember three, but yeah, I think. But so Hamilton, you on board for that one at least? Yeah, I've yeah. I, I've uh I own the 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 CD of the music and uh I saw it when it came to Buffalo. I'm I'm really looking nice. forward to it. I'm looking forward to that. But then it's the following week we're with the original so, cast, and this was uh, supposed to go to theaters first, and they, Disney spent a lot of money to get the land of rights to distribute it and everything. Uh, what, yeah, was, 100, $160 million? Yeah, they pushed it out um, a year in advance because it wasn't supposed to come out until October right. uh, 2021. So, uh, Next week, we have, on July 10th, Solo, A Star Wars Story, which I, I enjoy. I will gladly rewatch that. I've seen uh, it now three times streaming. I did not see it in theaters, but I've watched. Once I did, you know, I was away for work, and I put it on, and I ended up falling asleep during it. So I seriously sat down and watched it, watched it twice. Yeah, I think I watched, the first time I watched it, I watched half of it. And then I went to go back and re, to finish it, and I just started from the beginning again. So I think two and a half times. I think half watching it that first time made me enjoy it more when I actually sat down to really watch it, because at that point I was already over, got over all the stuff in my own head about oh this is stupid oh he's just called Solo because the guy was traveling alone like I got I got I got done with me being Paul and then just watched the movie then you actually enjoy the movie yeah hmm, funny how that works just out. imagine if you uh, do that when you watch the movie Paul <laughs> I haven't seen the movie I know you refuse to watch uh, it. Yeah. Also coming out that day, though, we have X Men: Days of Future Past. Uh, Ooh, coming to coming, coming to Disney, Disney Plus, Plus, July wow. 10th. Wow, I've never it was seen be it. A Hulu. Never seen it. I might. I might get on to. That's it. actually one of the better newer X Men movies. It's still not great, but it's better than all the other ones they did with the new class. Paul. Yeah, I'm just surprised it's not going to Hulu that it's coming to Disney Plus. I, I would I would have thought that those X Men, you know, 20th Century Fox films would have went Hulu, since Disney owns the controlling stake of Hulu now. Yeah, but and this is all just like assumption on my part too. But who knows? Like, because they be might be uh, viewing the metrics on their site and find out people are kind of watching that more not mature. Like they don't have anything like over the top violent, but. They might be seeing people are watching more of that, you know, PG thirteen and up based material. It's like no, like we could probably put the stuff out there, and it won't be too much of an issue if it's on alongside Apple Dumpling Game. Because yeah. I think every week now we have to make an Apple Dumpling Game <laughs> reference. Just well, un- unsaid rule. I think also the fact that like they put uh, Fantastic Four up, and I think the other the the other Fantastic Four are coming like. I think they're just don't jump ahead. We'll get there. Uh, I just think mm-hmm. they're adding all the Marvel movies. Have them all in one place. They have that banner that says Marvel. You can click on it. Your X Men, your Avengers, your Fantastic Four. They're all going to be on that platform. Because also, too, at at that point, this might just be another way for Disney to track those metrics. Like, okay, how does something like X Men or Fantastic Four get watched? when we have something like Black Panther or Captain Marvel alongside it too, like are people still checking out those movies or would they rather see the MCU cinematic uh, characters already? 
But also jumping forward to July seventeenth, uh, we have another X Men movie with Apocalypse. Hey, Olivia Munn as uh, Psylocke. So there's that. Uh, that, that movie. That's Oscar Wilde or Oscar Isaac. It's one of the worst X Men movies made. Uh, what else is going on in that movie? I'll probably watch it, though because I would rather just have it available for streaming than paying money to pick up the DVD or yeah, anything no. else though. Trust me, when you finish it, you're going to be like, I wish I had my time back. Mm. <laughs> so, so put it out while I'm cleaning. Yeah. Pretty much. I wish I, I wish I'd watched apple dumpling gang. <laughs> uh, following week coming into July 24th, we have pirates of the Caribbean dead men tell no tales, which is the final movie of the current, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. Also, just announced recently that we will be getting a brand new Pirates of the Caribbean movie. Sorry, two new Caribbean two. movies. Yeah, because uh, I, Margot Robbie. Margot Robbie, this is a non-spinoff written by the person that did Birds of Prey, but uh, not, but not uh, in the, but not spinning off of the other announced Pirates movie that was previously announced. Both are being developed concurrently. So we're getting an expanded Pirates universe. Yes, or uh, they might not link up at all. Uh, this movie, not great, but I think it's one of the better Pirates. I think it's better than Stranger Tides and what was the other one? World's End. At World's End, yeah. I mean, the first two Pirates are like, I could sit down and watch those whenever. But. Uh, yeah, I mean, you got, um, uh, oh, what's his name is the villain? I can't think of Harvey Obenden, Bardem. Is the villain, um, and he's he's kind of he's kind of cool. The, yeah, I like the weird like watery ghost pirate yeah. like thing. It works. Yeah. Uh, all right, then the following week, July thirty first, Incredibles two. I've already watched this movie multiple times since I picked it up on Blu ray. I'll I'll sit down and watch this, no problem. Well, I get to sit down and watch it without having to watch to be uh, traumatized by Bow in front of it. <laughs> True, true, true. The mom eats her kid. It's so creepy. Uh, you know, a lot of people eat their feelings. Uh, John, will you sit down what? and watch Incredibles 2? Oh. <laughs> um, I will. Um, I'll probably watch it when Grayson's interested in watching it. Because at this point, I'm watching cartoon movies that entertain my son. So the kids and Mulan. But you say you also put stuff on and you use him as an excuse for it, but it's really just for you. Mulan, uh, uh, Moana. I watched it again this week. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but it entertains. Nothing wrong with that. It's a great it movie. It entertains him where he's not like trying to climb up the stairs, uh, punching me in the face, uh, kicking his mother, running around, riding the dog like a horsey. You know, like the kids, the kid's a monster. Until Moana comes Until on. Until Moana comes on, and then he sits down, he shuts up. Well, do you think the next week, August 7th, he'll maybe be placated by Fox's original X-Men film? Oh, the first? Ooh. The first one. I own it on DVD, but I haven't busted that DVD out in a while. I think I have two DVDs. I have, like, the... I don't know if that one's going to hold up. I it. It's probably slow. X2 doesn't hold up anymore. Oh, then I don't think the first no. one. No. Well, because I think X2 is a better movie. So. Yeah. 
I agree. Uh, and then some a little something completely different. Guys, the Peanuts movie. This is the computer-generated animation one that came out, like, <laughs> two years ago. Paul's face, like... It's almost like, almost like kind of like a weird, like, shading to it, but yeah. Well, I'm so surprised because Apple paid a ton of money to have, like, the exclusive rights to a new Peanuts, like, thing. Like, that's exclusive to Apple TV, so them to get... So well, they, for Disney Plus to get this movie, well, they, I'm surprised. Well, they own it. It's a Fox movie. Yeah, because this was a 20th Century Blue Sky Studios movie, so they have this alongside um, everything else from Blue Sky now, like Spies in Disguise, and then the uh, the Dr. Right. Seuss ones that they did. So uh, that was kind of the one that surprised me the most, because I could understand, all right, they have X-Men, like those... Let's check out. But yeah, when I saw the Peanuts movie, I was like, interesting. I don't think I'll watch it, though. I think I'd watch it. No. I started... I was never a big Peanuts fan. I don't know. I always enjoyed the Peanuts. I mean, growing up, like, watching, like, Great Pumpkin, like, okay, that's fine. This might be... The Christmas one, Great Pumpkin, that's it for Peanuts. Everything else, you know, I don't... The comic strip, don't care. Um, Yeah, I just never got into it. I'd watch it. You like like the Peanuts? You're a Peanuts I would... Yeah. I always enjoyed them. I would start, I would start it, and then if I don't like it, turn it off. I did that with the new um, Grinch movie. I watched. Oh, okay. The with uh, with Doctor Strange in the voice. Yeah, uh, Bennett Bennett Cumber- Cumberbatch. I watched the, the beginning of it, and then I walked out of the room. I did like ten other things. Came back in the room. Was like, oh yeah, this is still on, and then shut it off. Uh. Something else uh, we'll be probably talking about, you know, within the next couple months, uh, coming out August 14th, Ant-Man and the Wasp. Okay. Fine. Make it's, it's just moving over. Yeah, just making the jump from uh, Netflix, Netflix over. Yeah. Uh, but also coming out the same day, The Greatest Showman, which I will say, I am going to watch that because I've heard a lot of the songs from it. The soundtrack seems pretty solid. It's got Hugh Jackman in it. It's got Troy Bolton from High School Musical. What's not to like? Bam. I'm signing on. I'll watch this. That's what I'm doing on the 14th, guys. You know why? Can't do the podcast that day. <laughs> I will be watching Greatest Showman. Write that on the calendar. Because if there's one thing I know about you, Chris, is one, a couple things I know about you. One, I can only eat a hot dog if you're holding it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Another thing I know is uh, <laughs> when, when, there's a, when there's an issue at hand that, we, uh, that a group has to tackle, you say, we're all in this together. That's my mantra, I think. If I had, like, to have one thing, like, senior yearbook quote, it would probably be we're all in this together, yeah. And and two is you're not afraid to shoot that outside, Jay. Uh, I, mean, I don't play basketball, Paul. We've talked about this. I will not shoot that outside, Jay. Yeah, but that means just take that risky shot. Paul, Paul, Paul. I stick to the status quo. Oh. oh. But it, anyway. Oh, no, but oh, I, no. I thought we were all in this together. Yeah. What if you? What if we needed you to shoot that outside, Jay? I mean, stick to the status quo. What? What is? It's a, it's a circle. To, what is? The, you got to stick to the things you know. What does the J mean? It's jump shot. Oh, okay, jump shot. We had this. This is a long-running podcast <laughs> joke where we had this discussion. How much of it? How much of it is joke though? Because we just don't know anything about sports. How much of it is masquerading as a joke? But anyways, uh, the following week. August 21st, we have the 2017 live-action remake of Beauty and the Beast. 
making the move from Netflix over okay. to Disney Plus. Yeah, I was about uh, I, to be like, I've streamed that so many times. Yes, you have. And I'm uh, annoyed because I own the DVD. <laughs> I, I like this one. I think this is one of the better live actions. That I I would watch this like some night, just getting like a pizza, sitting down. I'm very excited about Aladdin too. The li- uh, live action Aladdin. I really like the cast they brought together for Aladdin, uh, that live action one. And mm-hmm. I, I thought uh, the guy that played Aladdin was charming. I love Jasmine because she's Jasmine, and she, you know, embodied that role so well. I thought Will Smith, he, he didn't try to be uh, Robin Williams, which was good. He was just Will Smith as a genie, and he worked he, as Will Smith as a genie. He can really shoot that outside Jay. He can. He understands that when it's Jasmine, Aladdin, and the genie, they're all in it together. <laughs> and he, he knows what a J is. <laughs> well, yeah, because he knows DJ Jazzy Jeff. Hey! Two Js. Uh, and then the next week, we have two more movies coming out with Fox's original 2005 Fantastic Four movie. Okay. Which uh, I saw previews of and really enjoyed it in the previews at the movie theater. Uh, I probably won't be going back to this one. It just probably does not hold up well. I probably will watch it, though, again. Just because I own it on DVD again, though, so it's like I, I could have watched it at any time now, and it hasn't called me. But if I see it pop up on the streaming service, like watch it now, I'll turn it on and then forget it's on. I think I like I had a really bad stomach flu right when I it was Paul. It was when we both got sick for oh, Christmas. Christmas, and that's a terrible present. I would take that back. I yeah, I watched. Like Caitlin, Caitlin would come down and check on me like in the middle of the night and I would be like passed out and then I'd like wake up and I'd pass out and wake up. So at some point, like three o'clock in the morning, I'm watching the never released Fantastic Four movie because uh, because it was on YouTube. And she's like she came down. And she's like, oh, I'll stay up with you for a little bit. She watched like 15 minutes of it and was like, I'm going to bed. Uh, you can stay up and watch this. And I was like. I it's on for me to fall asleep to like I'm only watching it because you're down here but then I watched all the Fantastic Four movies the Fox ones so like six seven years ago is the last time I watched it they have a charm they're not they're not good but there is a charm to them where they're they're trying to be the Fantastic Four but they're not great uh, it's also that one montage that sells it, where it's like they're all stuck at the Baxter building while they're running the test, and they're like, oh, and then they're doing pranks, you know, Johnny and uh, Ben Grimm are doing pranks on each other, and I'm like, oh, that's a Fantastic Four right there, and then the rest of the movie, not so much. Uh, also coming out the same day, Alice Through the Looking Glass, so this is the sequel to the Tim Burton film, which Tim Burton didn't even come back to work on, and uh, I'll just say no. Uh, did I see that one? I have. It did didn't look see, good. Is that the one that we watched for the for the? No, movie? that was the original. That was the the first one. Okay. I like. I remember back in the early two thousands, like reading Alice in Wonderland through the Looking Glass and another one. I was looking forward to. What's the? Is it? the Jabberwocky or whatever with the, the, the dragon. Like I was looking forward to seeing that on screen. And that was the only reason I 
went to see it, and then I was incredibly let down by by the movie. But I didn't really like the was first. Was it the one. Jabberwocky in the first one? Yeah, that was the first one. Because the sec, uh, unless it was in the, I don't know, because I never saw the second one. The description is when Alice comes across a magical looking glass and returns to the fantastical realm of Underland. She discovers that her friend, the Mad Hatter, has lost his muchness and embarks on a perilous race to save him before time runs out. Yeah, I think the Jabberwocky was in the first one. When she's in the armor and she fights the dragon? Yeah. Mm, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Jabberwocky. Is I did see the second one, but it wasn't. I remember it not being good. Okay. Uh, but then for our final Disney Plus movie nights, uh, September 4th, we have the Wolverine. <laughs> All right. The Wolverine. Not Logan, which is one that I would definitely watch. Uh, but this was... Hey, you know what people love? Oh, the Wolverine. You know what we should do? Uh, take his powers away? Yeah. And have him keep having to fight, it's not even, fight people. It's not even the first one. It's not X-Men Origins Wolverine. This is the sequel to that, the Wolverine. Um, so this Disney, is when he goes to Japan. Yeah. Uh, Disney's and, telling people to go online uh, and when you're watching these, go uh, hashtag Disney Plus Movie Nights because they'll have exclusive content that they'll be putting out. Uh, watch parties and then like live Q&A. So they might be treating this like how a lot of movie studios were doing, like the watch-alongs mm-hmm. during the pandemic and quarantine. Uh, where you don't know who might be popping up. They might have directors or cast you know, along for the ride on some of these, which might be kind of cool to make something like X-Men Apocalypse or The Wolverine, a better experience to watch a live tweet. But yeah, I some of these movies I'll watch, though. What's great about The Wolverine is it has... Is it ends? Thank you. That it has the stinger scene to set up Days of Future Past, where Wolverine gets back to the U.S. and then everybody gets frozen by Professor X, who's supposed to be dead, who says... Logan, we need your help in the future. And then it's like, th- these timelines don't make any sense because in future past, he's old Wolverine being sent back to his young body. Like, it it just didn't make sense to set up the, the future past, the Days of Future Past movie. It's dumb. Could just be the X-Men movies aren't good. Yeah, no, they are. They're not. Wait. But now we're getting Days of Future Pass on Disney Movie Night before we get the Wolverine. I know. Freaky, right? Oh, that stinger scene. Well, makes sense. We get Days of Future Pass oh. before you even get the original X-Men movie. Oh, X-Men Origin. Or what was it called? X-Men. X-Men. Just X-Men. Oh, no, no. I mean the one that's, you know, that sets up the other X-Men. First class. First class. That's it. That's what you're thinking. Yeah. Yeah, that's all I had. That's, that, that took a while. I didn't think it was going to take that long. But yeah. It took a while, but that was good. I thought we were playing, I had fun with we were it. playing a minigame. It's not a minigame. It's your bonus level. Hmm, what else do I need have? to right, first be treat. It's okay. It looks good. A lot of those. I don't remember what else we talked about. Do we have anything else? Uh, you know, No, all, all of them. All of them suck. Did we ever talk oh. about Michael Keaton... Joining the the DC movie universe? Uh, we did not. But has that been officially like confirmed, or is that still just we like oh, rumors and sources say? We're not sure exactly where he's going to show up. Correct? Like, yeah. There's still 
speculation about whether or not he's going to be a Batman that shows up on an alternate world that the Flash, Ezra Miller's Flash, who's probably not going to be Ezra Miller, the Flash uh, in the movie, uh, sees, or if he's going to join the Arrowverse in some way, right? Like, Yeah, I think it's... it's he's, I think he's supposed to be like a... A linchpin for the movies, right? I think because we already saw like a Batman Beyond kind of deal uh, in the Arrowverse with Crisis on Infinite Earths when Batwoman and Supergirl go to another Earth where there's an older Batman by the by uh, the voice actor played by Kevin, yeah, Kevin Conroy. It's I don't want to spoil that spoil that scene because that was probably the best part of the first three episodes of that miniseries. It's difficult to watch because it was not a great crossover event. Uh, I didn't get it all the way through, so maybe not better. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think that's all I have. But yeah, it would be fun to see him as like an old Batman, as an old Bruce Wayne. I I'm excited to learn more. I wish there was more to talk about. Yeah. I just know there's something that... It's news that's out there that we didn't talk about. Uh, But what else might be coming out is uh, what we're looking forward to next week. Comic books? Coming out when? Uh, July 8th. 2020. Do we want to talk next beers? And before we get into the list, uh, let's talk about our next beers that we took a pause to all go get. Uh, yeah. Chris, uh, what are you drinking? Is it one of my old favorites? Uh, I don't know if this would be one of your old favorites. You put it at a 3.75 on, on tap, and this is Founders Unraveled IPA. Uh, sitting at 6.6 ABV, 50 IBUs. This is their Juicy India Pale Ale. And it's not bad. I mean, it's definitely a good... Nice drinkable IPA. I mean, I've already drank half of it in like the four or five minutes that we've been back from like grabbing our beers on our paws. It's just not that great. I would rather have like an all day IPA or just any other founder's IPA over this, I think. But there's nothing wrong with that. I just don't think it's it's flooring me. Uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed this beer when I had it. I, I've only had it... Um, one time um and that was when we had a special online tasting thing and i actually had it given to me like two days after it was canned we had it for this meeting before it was even going to be released in stores um it actually had to been driven from the brewery to uh to our, our place to have the meeting and uh i enjoyed it i enjoyed it for founders taking a step away from centennial hops and trying to make a in the now kind of beer and for nine ninety nine, I think it's a good, a good standby beer to have granted. Yes. Yeah. All my, all my beers I got like, cause I picked up six packs today for my beer store. They were all around like $10. Like it was pretty cheap. And then I also got, I got like a 12 pack of ginger ale too. Like my total was like 35 bucks. Like it's a good beer, right? Nice. But yeah, I mean, it's not bad. I will gladly drink like, the next five of these. Um, yeah, I, I saw a new IPA from Founders, and I kind of had my hopes up a little bit more, I think. But, I mean, how you had it is probably great. I 
lament the days that I used to be able to go to the brewery and just get stuff like fresh from the yeah. tap. But you know, I mean, eat a sandwich, write notes for the oh podcast. Gosh, like those sandwiches. Have another beer. Mm, read some I, comic books. Those write sandwiches some more were notes. fantastic. Get another beer. Yeah, I don't think there's. I think there. I guess if you get this a little bit fresher, there it does have a little bit of this really nice citrusy wowness to it. Um, mm-hmm. But overall, I just thought it was just a just as a just a drinking beer, just something to have sitting on the porch, sitting at a you know sitting with friends around a board game. Like it was just something you could just have and drink and just be okay, you know, be okay with. Yeah, it's not bad. I mean, that's why I put it at three. Three's like. Just to sound like, yeah, I would drink this again. Yeah, but John, what did you? What did you pour uh, yourself? I have from. It, it looks. I easy. have from uh, Sloop Brewing their Nelson Bomb New England IPA. Chris or uh, Paul, you had uh, their Mosaic bomb. bomb. So this is their regular juice bomb done with Nelson hops. I'm. I think I might have had this on the show before. I don't remember. Uh, but it's uh, just <laughs> it's a really good drinking beer. Um, is it a full Nelson or a half Nelson? Oh, I definitely have a half Nelson about this beer. Uh, it's good. I I think I'd probably enjoy Mosaic Bomb better. Um, and I think there's some other ones that are other bombs that are better than this. But it's still good. It's still a little fruity. It's, um, you know, it's kind of has a it's got a kiwi on the bottom. And um, I was looking for those kind of kiwi flavors in here, and I don't really get it. But who knows? Maybe it's kind of it's. It's at the bottom of the glass because you had to pour it because it came at the bottom. It of the is um, kiwi settle on the nose. It does have a really big kiwi kind of scent to it, so I can see kind of where that was coming from. But it's also got a nice dank kind of green green kiwi. The thing I like most about eating kiwi is like getting that prickly kind of uh, almost numbness on your lips mm-hmm. from eating kiwi. Everybody gets that, right? I like the it's tiny not like li- I'm allergic. No, yeah, I like the tiny little seeds that are in there because I try to like pop them in my teeth. Mm. I like the white center. Okay, <laughs> I it's like the kind. It's not like not. It's not bitter, but it's like that because it's so soft, and then it's like a different texture in the center. Uh, I got a thing where you got uh, all these kiwis, and it came with a special spoon with a little knife that you cut the top off, and then you spooned out out of the skin the kiwi with the spoon. Kind of like if you're British and eating an uh, eating an yeah. egg. Yeah, having a a, a soft boiled egg. Paul. Hmm. Yeah. Oh. I'm not eating a soft boiled egg right now, and I'm done <laughs> eating. And listeners, congrats! You listened to me eat a whole uh, Rice Krispie treat. Uh, I'm drinking the Firestone Flyjack Hazy Indian Pale Ale. It says it's 96 calories, and it's in a stove type can. Stove so type. 96 calories. Stove, stove type. Stove type. Stove pipe can. Uh, that type of stove top can. Stove pipe can. Yeah, you know, whatever. Wear a hat. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> this is very light. It's like the seltzer water of beer. It's I, I can't say it's a hazy IPA. It's fairly hazy. It's good, 
barely got. Did you pour it out? It. Are you <coughs> drinking it out of a can? Excuse me. I'm drinking it. Out How of do a you can. know it's not hazy? Sorry. It doesn't taste like a hazy. All right, those drink. are the words to use. Okay. And uh, I mean, but okay. I, <laughs> when I drink a beer, like it could probably taste like oh, you know, it's probably be a little bit hazier. Mm-hmm. But he just flat out said it's not hazy. You can't see. Well, I can grab. A, you can't see. I can grab a glass real quick. Pour it into your hand. Listen, Mister Mister McGowan over here is a very staunch nitpicker about bullshit like that. Just giving it back. Oh, he's he's well, pouring it. Hey, let it settle. It does, that is not is hazy. That hazy? That's it's cloudy. No, that's a very pale. That's not. That's you, what you have is hazy. What I have yeah. is a pale. Lightness. Yeah, but you can't see through it. It's not a golden hue. If Chris Port, if I mean, Chris Port his Paul, Paul's is, yeah, Paul's it's darker, is it's it's hazier than that. More opaque. It's than a more mine. opaque, but it's not. It's not a. Ju- it's you not what I would you can consider. Yeah. Now that, I, I, now that of, I still have a lot of light through it. Yeah, now that it's settled a little bit, like it. I can see through it. It's not. It tastes. It looks exactly like I was describing how it I'm tastes. I'm just. I'm just trying to stir up the the pot. Now that I poured that can, <laughs> thanks, John. Tastes even less hazy now. What? <laughs> Pouring it out took away it, all the haze. That's what I do. You can, you can talk to my wife. I ruined everything. But John, well, you know what you also do? You look forward to comic books coming out July. I 8th, do. Twenty twenty. And uh, maybe you do. I don't know if you have anything. I don't. I did not see anything that I was interested in. But I will say. I just started listening to a new podcast uh, called Warden's Book with Friends. <laughs> <laughs> no, they haven't put out any new episodes. Did he catch up? I'm just about there. But I heard you guys, okay. you haven't done any new ones, so I haven't downloaded any more. I just need to read the book. <laughs> um, uh, but this is from uh, One Tree. It's called Murder in Hollywood Land. It is a true crime um a true crime podcast following the murder of uh, Hollywood director William Desmond Taylor and his weird also has his weird rise to being a famous Hollywood director. Uh, And it's actually really interesting. And um, James Remar, who's a Hollywood actor, uh, best known as the one of the villains in The Phantom uh, with Billy Zane, uh, is one of the... I've seen that movie like twice. I don't remember anything about it. Um, he was actually... He's the father in Dexter, Paul? He watched Dexter. You didn't watch Dexter? Um, I caught snippets of it because Kate was no. watching it. Uh, if you saw him, you'd go, oh, that guy. Uh, but he's... Yeah. That guy. Uh, he's got a great voice for it. Um, it was interesting that he was doing this. It seems like he's doing it with another actor friend who she does the um, some other sides of it. He's doing the hard, the detective voice for the the thing. Uh, I really enjoyed it. Um, it also informed me that uh, Fatty Arbuckle, the uh, c- comedic actor, um, uh, was on trial for rape and murder at one point, and that's what ended his career in Hollywood, which I had no idea about. 
Uh, but I've uh, really enjoyed it. It's actually a really good listen. And uh, I'm just about finished with the first episode, and I'm looking forward to catching up to uh, episode four and continuing on with the series. I don't know about that one, but you were right about the uh, the Rob Lowe podcast, because I listened to that first episode. Oh, this is fantastic. I don't know if I would listen to any more. It depends who he's got on. It's, yeah, it's going to depend, like, who's there. But, yeah, the Chris Pratt one was just was It fun. just It sounded like you were sitting at a table listening to two friends talk. Yeah. Like this. Mm. Speaking yeah. about talking to friends, Paul, I want to hear you talk to your friends about what comic book you're looking forward to. Well, you guys know I'm a big fan of the Fantastic Four. You're also a big fan of X-Force, so you're looking forward to X-Force number 15. <laughs> no, I'm actually uh, looking forward to seeing what this whole uh, Marvel crossover event is all about. Empire, Fantastic Four, issue zero. Uh, this is uh, a pivotal issue, not just for Empire, but for the future of the FF, or so they say in these uh, solicitation. Uh, Empire apparently is the culmination of the Kree-Skrull war, uh, war here on Earth. And uh, we're going to see Marvel's first family uh, place in this war. So, so they've been longtime fighters of the Skrulls. But, uh, so, I don't know. It seems fun. It seems like the only way I'm going to actually care about Empire. Even though, I think, uh, what's the guy from Young, not Young Justice. Rob Lowe. Young Avengers. Chris Pratt. Novar. No. Uh, uh, the Skrull. Patriot. Oh. Hulkling. Hulkling. Yeah, Hulkling. Wasn't... He's, he's... He's a major player. Wasn't he just like the big bad in like a previous Marvel event? Was he? Was he? I I, I have not read any. I Marvel think so. I while. think he was like like the big bad, or he had something. Well, maybe he was the big bad, and now he's that's he's the linchpin of he's bringing the the whole whole thing together with Empire. Maybe that was all set up for this. Who knows? I don't know. I don't know. John, do you know? I don't know. We're going to read a book about Vampironica later that was all spinning out of the big event crossover that I didn't read. <laughs> okay, I'm glad because I was like, oh, I know Paul, like, Spurs. I was like, I, oh, I know Paul's been picking up all these, like, Vampironica and Jughead the Hunger books. So I probably just didn't read, no, he, like, this batch of stuff. He, but He okay. buys issue one, says he really likes it. Three months he picks like the next three for his. Uh, three months. His three months list. later, he goes. Uh, I think I'm gonna hop back in with issue six, and buys issue six. <laughs> and then if he if he's really if he's really lost and he still wants to like uh, you talk about Chris how you spent like oh, I just spent forty dollars catching up. Paul be like, well, ooh, ooh, type 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 type. I'll uh, I bought those three other books. Uh, hey, so on that note. You remember how last week for my pick for the list, I did Buffy the Vampire Slayer? Yep. Uh, yeah, I spent like 40 bucks and I bought all the Buffy issues I missed. Uh, but surprise, coming out July 8th, <laughs> I actually have uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer Willow number one, mm. which I don't know if this is actually going to be a one shot or a miniseries. Uh, but yeah, Willow number one, written by Mariko Tamaki, who actually does the Jessica Cruz story in the Green Lantern 80th anniversary special that we'll be talking about coming up uh, with art by Natasha Bustos. Um, I, I wrote the uh, solicitation for this book. I don't have a lot to go off just based on that. Cause I haven't read all those Buffy comic books yet, but 
I love Willow. Willow's a great character. I look forward to you know, reading more of her in this universe. So, yeah. That's my pick. And now, Ooh, man. a dramatic reading of Sea of Stars, number one, page one, panel one. Space. It's so crappily boring. And that was a dramatic reading of Sea of Stars, number one, page one, panel one. So, fun fact before we move ahead. I actually read that book because I didn't have the list of the books you were supposed to be reading, and I saw it was something that you bought, so I was like, oh, this is probably one of John's picks. So I read it. It was actually pretty Jason good. <laughs> yeah. Huh. Uh, I d- at the beginning, I did not like it. But then once uh, shit goes down, I was like, oh, okay, this is kind of a fun book. Nice. For- first issue yeah. is free on Comixology. Yeah, uh, Jason Aaron, Sea of Stars. If we don't talk about it on the next look back, uh, I think we're doing a disservice because I think it was a a fun sci-fi book because it's one of those kinds of books that normally when I see it and I like hear about it, I'm like, oh, good idea. Doesn't sell me on it. But actually reading this, one, I'm like, I don't know. I would, I would read number two. Nice. I'll, 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 I'll. Yeah, I, 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 don't buy it on, on my account. No. I'm saying like, no, it was. I'm going to get around to reading that first issue. <laughs> okay. You, you haven't read no. it yet? Oh, wow. I beat you to it. I've read more of it than John has. <laughs> no, you haven't, because uh, I read that before I sent it to you. <laughs> I've read equal Ooh. amounts. <laughs> and that's going to head us into our main topic, which, like we set up at the front of the show, is going to be our monthly look back. But this time, it's our monthlies look back, because we're going to be talking about some of the books that we picked up in the months of May and June 2020. Uh, and we're going to start off with Paul. Because, Paul, you have a book that you brought to the table. And this yeah. is a, a very Paul book to bring to the table. This is uh, uh, the third or fourth? No, the fourth in the uh, Archie horror line that I've brought to the table. This is Vampironica New Blood. Uh, this is spinning out of uh, Afterlife with Archie, which, which was the first one that I brought to the table. Then there was... Jughead the Hunger, which we thought was going to just be a one-shot. Then it became its own like little mini-series. Uh, that was delayed forever. Then we had Vampironica uh, that we all read, which was the best vampire book that uh, that month that we read, beating out a Buff- Buffy and Giles book. Yeah, the Giles book just wasn't good. Uh, the new Buffy is- books, though. This is Vampironica New Blood, which I'm like, okay, cool, jumping off on point. Uh, I've missed a lot. I didn't really read Vampironica versus Jokehead and The Hunger. Uh, but you definitely should <laughs> if you want to get into this book. Because this drops you right in, and it's spinning out of that miniseries. So the story is by Frank Terry and Michael uh, Morsetti. Art by Andre Monk. And colors by Matt Herms. Uh, letters by Jack Morelli. Uh, yeah, this is spinning out, out of that uh, Veron- Veronica mini Veronica versus the Hunger miniseries. Uh, Veronica, Veronica, who is a vampire, is shows back up in Riverdale after being away and missing for some for some while, and is looking for answers from her family. All the while, another vampire crew 
is going to start caressing uh, the Veronica vampire team. So, so I, it's a lot it, of setup in this. It, it's it's a lot of setup, but it's also going into it with thinking that you've read those previous series, and we've honestly, I think we've read a lot of just like Vampironica, Afterlife with Archie, Jug, all, all number ones. I've never all number ones. I've never stayed. I think actually no, I've read some of the other ones. I can't remember which one it was. Now I would have to like because you know when I fly up to Buffalo, I download a bunch of books, and I think. One of them was like a bunch of those. Um, it might have just been like the original Vampire Hanukkah. So going into this, I kind of had the knowledge of what each of those titles and universe is. Because um, one of them crosses over with Sabrina, too. I don't remember which Afterlife one that was. Life with Archie. Uh, is that the one? Okay. Mm-hmm. So I just went into this thinking like, oh, this is just picking up after the other stuff that I may have read, but I just didn't keep up on it. So it wasn't, you know, that game breaking for me where it's like, Oh, I'm completely lost because no, I know like Veronica's a vampire. And then she went on an adventure and now she's back in Riverdale and surprise, like a threats followed her. Okay. Like I, I was along, like I might not get every single reference, but I know enough about these characters just from the original Archie comics and then like the relaunched ones that I, I know who's who I know weird supernatural shit's happening because we're in that corner of the afterlife with Archie universe. All right, whatever. Like that, that didn't take away from my enjoyment of this book. I think the book is slowly paced. It's giving you a lot of setup, but I really enjoyed the art. Uh, I like, there's nothing that takes me out. I of think the, the art's art great ones. in this book. Uh, it's filled with, you know, there's good shadowing. Uh, all the characters are themselves, themselves. Like you can tell everybody apart. It's not just hair swaps, um, and costume swaps, which is, you know, great when you're talking about teen drama. Uh, but you know, I, I feel like it's so slowly setting up what's going to be happening in this miniseries that I'm like, I don't know if I'm in for just miniseries after miniseries after miniseries. And I'm not really loving that Vampironica's constantly calling Archie Archiekins. I, I think that's just a carryover from, like, that, you know, the 1940s, like, Archie. Like, it's just one of those things where it's like, oh, no, this is so ingrained in the character. It's kind of stupid now. But I think it kind of lends almost like a humor to the fact that it's like, well, no, like, her and her families are descendant from like a vampire lord, and she's still just trying to play it like, oh, I'm just your normal Veronica Lodge. Yeah. I well, Archie still just doesn't, City. doesn't know what's going on. It turns out that she had some dalliance with werewolf Jughead in an alternate reality. Like, it's it's so crazy out there, but I think Frank Thierry does a great job of still trying to keep things that grounded, just run-of-the-mill Riverdale around what she's going through, mm-hmm. that makes it work. I think I really like this book on those two levels. I I enjoyed this book. I've enjoyed all the the Afterlife books. Mm-hmm. Um, reading this, I feel like I definitely was missing a key component. 
but I also felt like they gave you enough to get through this book. I didn't feel slogged down. I did feel like a little like, I don't know what's going on, but it didn't bother me. It made me want to read the things that I had missed. I wouldn't mind reading that whole werewolf versus uh, vampire thing. Like it sounded, it sounded slightly interesting. Um, and the Archikins thing that you mentioned, like he also calls her like Ronnie's, and I, and I was like, Ronnie, yeah, I like Ronnie, but I didn't sense. realize till she got to school and he called her Veronica, and I, or uh, and I was like, oh, I just thought it was another like I thought it was like a vampire slayer, like I didn't know who she was because she had a sword, and I, I wasn't, sh- I wasn't sure no. in the beginning like who she was. I thought she was somebody else because he's called her Ronnie. And I was like, mm, okay, this is the character Ronnie. And then I was trying to think of who was the werewolf hunter with Archie in the hunger when they were hunting down. Was it? Yeah, was I better. couldn't remember. And I was like, was that some other character? Like, it's been a couple of years since I've read this. Like, I don't know what's going on in this world. But uh, I enjoyed it. It definitely would have helped if. I had finished the Vampironica miniseries if I read The Hunger versus Vampironica. Like those reading those would have helped. This book made me want to read those to catch up. But I think you could read this knowing that there's a world that you've missed. You can read this and still enjoy this series. Yeah, I'm just flipping through it now and I really do dig this artwork and the like the coloring on it. Like everything's very beautiful. Like I, this is a gorgeous book, and it's honestly just a lot of people just standing around lockers talking to each other. But it still looks fantastic. Well, I do own all of Vampironica versus the Hunger. I do just have to buy issues three and five. Somehow <laughs> I bought one, two, and four, and I own I. I Issues one through five of Vampironica. So we can get caught okay. up, guys. I, I think I might have read the original Vampironica on like a plane to Buffalo, like one of the last times I came up, because I'm I think I've spent a lot more time with this character than I think I have, because like a lot of it again, like I was kinda like, oh well I had haven't read all of this, but a lot of it felt right and it's weird to say it that way but so I, I think I might have read that full Vampironica series I just want Archie to make up his mind just go after Veronica she's obviously the right choice Betty is lame well I think at this point too isn't Betty Veronica. dead I, uh, that happened to Vampironica I don't know I don't know I don't know but it seems I think she's alive because in the solicitation for the next issue issue 2 it's Archie and Betty barely escape a uh, confrontation with Fangs, mm, which okay. Vampironica is right. Can't believe you go by the name Fangs. It works though. I dig it. I dig it a lot. Uh, yeah, it's good. Again, I, I I would like to read more of this universe. Yeah, uh, and a universe that I would like to go back to is the uh, Batman the Animated Series. Paul, it's something that you and I both love. Uh, Paul, you... I love it. Why? Why? Why can't I be in the group? Is it because I don't know. I the offered DVDs? you the DVDs, and you said no. 
uh, because I've, I've seen them all multiple times. I don't feel the need uh, to own but, it. Wait, Johnny, you, you gave me DVDs? your DVDs, and then and then oh, I got okay. the Blu-ray DVDs or the high def of it. So I have two copies right now in my house. Well, then you're supposed I've to give tr- that I've, pair if I tried, Kristen I tried wanted. Ed, I tried Greg. Nobody wanted it. Like, oh, Greg didn't want them. Ju- Try to sweet talk him uh, tomorrow, and I'll you know uh, I'll, I'll gladly give it to I'm him. Surprised. Uh, but here okay. is Batman: The Adventures Continue, number one, written by uh, Alan Barnett and Paul Dini of Batman: The Animated Series fame, uh, <laughs> with pencils by Ty Templeton, and this is uh, a continuation. It looks it looks like the book. It kind of feels like the book. Uh, slightly attached to the Superman animated series. Uh, but you have uh, Batman trying to stop a robot who has stolen something from Wayne Enterprises, who then goes to a party and meets Lex, and then at the end, Lex in green costume, green armor. Uh, no, the- oh, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Uh, yeah, the animated, the style of the cartooning here is definitely of the later season of Batman, where it's that uh, no longer the uh, sil- silhouette of the bat on the glowy chest, yellow. It's just the bat emblem, no longer the shield. Um, so that's the later. I don't issue. remember, and also the he design didn't have of the, the the yellow. He did. He did. First three seasons. Yeah, it wasn't until they did uh, Batman. Phantasm? No, uh, it was after. It was when they actually started. They brought in like Nightwing and Robin. Mm-hmm. It was, it was like, when they did the, the Superman like, Hour. They, yeah, the Superman, Batman, Superman Hour, like. Because uh, yeah, then yeah, when it went into like Justice League, he didn't have it. He had just like that base Bat logo. Mm-hmm. This definitely is of the later season. Uh, the design of the robot is definitely feels later season. Of uh, Batman the animated series, it's a little over top. It, but well, it's, it's still fun. It, it's fun, and I don't mean this in a derogatory way, but with the pedigree of this book, I mean Paul Dini and Alan Burnett, who did the animated series. Like, okay, you're heading into this with that reverence to that Batman history that they kind of built upon in the um, in the cartoon series. Oh, a lot of this, though, it, it reads just like a kid's book. Like, this would be just one of those, like, oh, I'm going to pass off a Batman comic yeah. to your niece or nephew or little cousin. Like, And there's nothing wrong with the story. I mean, it's written by Paul Dini, who's the master of Batman. But when I see a Paul Dini Batman book, I kind of expect a little bit more than just a giant robot walking down the streets, smashing cop cars. Um, yeah, like... Like in 2007, 2008, right? Like when Paul Dini was doing the Detective Comics run. Mm-hmm. Like that yeah. felt like the animated series, but aged up to the people that, you know, would be reading that comic, knowing who Batman the Animated Series was. Like there's, if I hand this off to, like, um, Ed's kid, uh, Elliot, he's never watched Batman the Animated Series. So he wouldn't have he- that. He wouldn't understand why the adventure continues. But I, I will say this yeah. ninety nine cents. 
Oh. <laughs> yeah, this is the perfect throwaway book to give to a kid to shut them up, much like putting on Moana so they're not punching you in the face. I understand. Uh, also, like, issue two, Batman has his uh, Dark Knight armor fighting Lex. In his, in green, his suit. green suit. Green orange, or green... What, it's green, what color it's green and purple, bud. Oh, okay, cool. Green and purple. Um, yeah, I mean, there's nothing wrong with this book, but it's not what I expected it to be. Um, I I expected it to be Paul Dini's just, Batman that he did back in the early 2000s, where it was just like a single Batman story, not yeah. something that would continue on. And even if it's, you know, I think it's just two issues with the Lex, and then it goes into another story, but it also seems... Well, yeah, because I'm flipping through issue number two right now, and there's like a brainiac robot there that gets brought back to life when the well, the robot's got it. the three uh-huh. the three dots connected on it. So, ah, oh, it has to yeah. be a brainiac, right? Oh, and then Superman pops up. Yeah, I mean it's it's good for what it is, but I don't think what it is is meant for us. But it is, okay. and <laughs> I'm, I, guessing, I'm guessing. I'm guessing. Well, no, like because I'm flipping through, and I, I really don't think it is. It's meant for. John, who it's meant for the John reader who has a three to four year old kid that would well, especially sit on his lap and he would read this to his kid. So, John, I'm just going to say this because I'm on the last page of issue number two and it's like, next, Deathstroke comes to Gotham. And I click go ahead and then I get an advertisement for DC, a new graphic novel for kids. Uh, my video game ate my homework. When school gets you down, it's time to level up. Yeah, this, this, this isn't meant for us. No, it's meant I just, for the dad. Like, issue three, John. though, has, like, a Sean Murphy uh, cover, which I think is weird. It's beautiful, but it's weird that it's Sean Murphy. No, I, I think this is something for parents of... It's, it, you and me, you know, I'm not a parent. I'm never going to be a parent. And that's fine. Uh, but it's meant for us, the people that grew up with Batman in the animated series, to now be reading it to their kid. You know, we, we got friends that have, you know, eight-year-olds. Yes, yeah, I... You know, it's, it's meant for those kids. It's meant for the 30-somethings that have the five to six to seven to eight-year-old kids... To be like, oh, I loved this as a kid. Your age here, experience my childhood. Yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I don't want to say I, it's a very like. There's a lot of panels with no dialogue on it. It's an easy read. I don't think it was bad, but yeah, I don't. I think I definitely went in there expecting more out of it. And I mean, these yeah. were coming through. I think these are they were coming out weekly too. In the- yeah, it is a DC Comics uh, digital first. So based at the price, like that 99 cents, I think it is just like a quick like, hey, drop it out. Because even like the page layouts for it, like you're getting like, four or five panels per page. And it's like you, you flip it, it's another four or five. I think they're made to be yeah. like that. Easy and, kind and, of that's, I think that's fine. I don't think there's anything wrong with this book. It does feel like a continuation from that Batman, Superman, even that 
that not Justice League Unlimited, but the Justice League that was before Justice League Unlimited. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. That's Justice League. But, yeah, I, I don't think there's anything... There's nothing bad, but I, as a reader, wanted more out of it. Yeah, there's one scene that I I, I enjoy and is hate it? at the same time, and it's when the robot, or the wonder of the robot, is uh, picking up whatever box crate container, and Batman just stands there and points at it and goes, "Put it back." Uh, <laughs> oh my god! I, really, I like. W- when Lex, that's, that's Lex Luthor shows up and he's so uh, tan looking, I thought he was a black man. Well, isn't he in is the he? series? I don't think. I think so. I think he's just he just really looks, tan. He just looks so dark. I when they said, I always thought he, I always thought he was black in when the they said, animated series. When they said, Maybe "Oh, hello, Lex," I was like, "That's Lex Luthor." Okay. Well, see, I, I mean, I never watched. The Superman one, but when I saw him, I recognized just like that—that mm-hmm. that as Lex Luthor, like I, Superman I might just be Adventures. A horrible person because Clancy Brown. Oh yeah, Clancy Brown was great as Lex Luthor. But who is Clancy Brown? So he's white, Highlander. <laughs> oh okay, <laughs> like, he's an actor. Um, he's also uh, his um, family is the uh, the Brown Publishing. Oh, he's on the. What's that guy? I see him now. And I'm like, he's the bad guy in the first Highlander. Paul. Oh, yeah, also yeah, in yeah. the show Terra Nova. I don't know if you watched that. Because <laughs> yeah, I, I actually did see Terra Nova. Uh, he had okay, a reoccurring yeah. role in Lost. Wait, he's who the is general he in, in uh, Afghanistan. And oh, then isn't he yeah. in the he's in the um he's in the thing with uh Desmond. And he tries to steal Desmond's boat. Desmond. Desmond kills him. That's true. He's in the CIA. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, every once in a while he's like you're looking I'm looking at uh, pictures he's of up. like Lex Luthor from the animated series. Sometimes he does look like he's you know, an uh, black, and sometimes he looks like he's white. Like I, I have no idea what they were going for with this Lex Luthor in the animated uh, universe. But I always thought he was black. Uh, and then I see, I just clipped on, like uh, it's called Clancy Brown Lex Luthor in the Justice Lords universe, and that uh, Clancy like Brown that. also. Paul, I'm going to list more things for you. Is uh, the the oh, the nice. the boss crab in uh, SpongeBob, the Krabby Patties guy. Uh, also, the oh. voice of the uh, lava guy in uh, Thor Ragnarok, who creates uh, Ragnarok. Surger. But uh, enough about Clans. You know who you know who he is. Like he's one of those yeah, guys. Yeah, I saw him now, and I'm like, oh yeah, that uh, guy. But on to our next book, which is Avengers 33, and this is written by Jason Aaron, uh, art by Javier Garin, and this is uh, a new uh, part one of the uh, Moon Knight saga here, where Moon Knight is going through 
the Marvel Universe and <sighs> taken out uh, different power units for his god. And power units, I mean, like, Doctor Strange, the Iron Fist, and taking their power to give to... Yeah. Mystic powers. I, and I didn't like this. Sorry, it's John, fine. because it's basically just like, I'm, I'm the best there is at everything I want to do now because the yeah, moon. Got to do it when the full moon's going. It, it's, it's a super not moon. Only just a, yeah, not just a full moon. It's a super moon that hasn't been like, for a century. Which means you, that Katara can now bend the blood in your body. Which, I, which is cool, super but moon. like, I, I'm, it's flipping through and it's like, oh, like, I was excited thinking, it's like, oh, okay, Moon Knight versus Daniel Rand, like, let me see where this goes. Mm-hmm. And then it's just like, okay, the moon. Oh, and then he's beating Doctor Strange because of the moon. And then he steals Ghost Rider's car because of the moon. I'm like, all right, this is one of the like the kind of stories I don't like is by showing how great a character is through like trivial means taking out other characters. And then it's like, oh, he and his Mummies march on Wakanda, and then Black Panther's just like, okay, yeah, like whatever, let's go. And then he beats Thor because they're on the and, moon, and, and his like, hammer's made of moon rock. His, and then he, he brings all the moons like, to crush him. Uh, yeah, don't say you're sorry because I didn't. I didn't love. Okay, it's just. I'm sorry. It's just a dumb book. Like, how it's, many Moon Knight books do we need to read before Johnny finally gives no, up on the Moon Knight? Okay, hold on. I'm going to defend John because normally the Moon Knight stuff's good, but it's just like this. this it's like just a dumb superhero Moon Knight that we get here. And even though they have like those kind of callbacks where it's Moon Knight introducing himself like through the different, like his different aliases, because you know he's like. Danny Rand says to the friend, like, oh, you're the schizophrenic hero. Do you need help? Let me let me help you through this. Like it's just a it's just dumb. Like, I don't know. The thing like, is, the my problem with Moon Knight is that the very next issue, it could be him just in a an insane asylum, like, and he's just like shadow boxing with himself the whole time, and it's like, oh, this is the hey, actual Paul, story. I ask you, how many Moon Knight books have I made you read? This would be the this third. would be the second. No, nope, I, I didn't. I did not buy more. the Bendis one because I did not like Moon Knight. Then, okay, I had you. I had I've you. Yeah, one of you two brought that to the table that we read. That might have been I, me. I don't know, I, Chris. I'm sorry. Paul, I'm I had you read, but that, I think that was the one like with David Finch. Which, Paul, I, I had you mm-hmm. read the Jeff Lemire one. And that was a good one. We all agreed yeah. we liked that one. I've talked. Yeah, I think I, I again, like I think I read the next few that uh, issues of that one because you had them available, and I was like, all right, you know what? I'll check these out because that series it was is a great. Book. Is he on a different world or is he on our world still? Is he well? That was the not, like, that was the one with him like escaping. Yeah, he's the escaping the asylum too, right? and he's going through yeah. his own psychosis and his own. He switches between all the different characters that he's been. It's a great it's a great run. I I talk a lot about Moon Knight Paul, but I've only had you read two books. And I will and uh, I'm sorry that I made you no, feel I'm not so I just want I just wanna uh, just wanna put it out there. And uh, I just wanna say, reading this book made me be like, Oh man, like I really do like when Iron Fist pops up and stuff like 
I should go back and continue reading the Iron Fist books that you know we read like the first issue or two of. Like Iron Fist is cool. He's I, yeah. a cool dude. All I was thinking is, why does John love Moon Knight so much? I don't you get haven't this read character. all I ha- I've read of Moon Knight. I I do really yeah. like Moon Knight, and there's some versions of them that I think are really good, and there's some versions I think are very bad. And Jason Aaron, I've read a run. The reason I bought this is because I read a really great run that Jason Aaron had done. So I figured, oh, he knows his character. He knows what he's going to do with this. But I did... Well, that... Sorry, not to cut you off. That Jason Aaron run, was it just, like, a Moon Knight solo book, or was it also Moon Knight in the... like? Because this is Avengers yeah. 33. No, like, this yeah. isn't Moon Knight this number is, one. Or Moon this Knight is making like, Moon Knight is... the villain up to the Avengers. Mm-hmm. Which I thought is kind of interesting. I... The reason I picked this up is because I saw on, you know, some comic reviewing site, Moon Knight in a fist fight with Iron Fist. And I was like, ooh, let's see what that's about. That did seem cool, yeah. That, that could have been cool until it's just like, Moon Knight has the one move. He's that friend that you're playing Street Fighter against that just keeps yeah. spanning a Duncan. Uh, fist of Conchu. Uh, he fist keeps of speaking, uh, uh, what is it, Raphael Paul in... Uh, Tap tap tap. Yeah, yeah. Tap 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 tap, 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 tap. tap. and Soul Caliber. Uh, Soul Caliber too. Yeah, it, this I I had better hopes out of this book and I kept giving it a little like oh okay, but when he the right the third uh, Avenger that he goes after mm-hmm. Black Panther and he tries to do the same thing where he sucks their power into the the Egyptian the, yeah, the, the onks that he and has. he was like, "That doesn't work. It's in my blood. It's not magic." Like he should have fucking known. That. Like why was he even there with all his mummies? Like it was stupid. And even like yeah. the way the way Black Panther treated him, like you're a punk ass bitch. Like get the fuck, get out of here. <laughs> I was like, yeah, get out of here, Moon Knight, you jerk. And then like the reveal at the end when it is. I'm doing this to save the world, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, thank you. Okay, because I, I felt bad reading this. So I'm like, oh, John likes Moon Knight. Like, this... Because I, I don't even want to say I like Moon Knight, but I did like that Jeff Lemire, like, the four yeah. or five issues of it that I read. Like, But reading this, I was like, no, this is just trying to build up a character and show how badass they are through some trivia way where it's like, well, no, look, they're they're beating Thor. Like he can control Thor's hammer because it's made out of moon rocks. Like, what? That, is it this though? is dumb. Like it's dumb. Because, well, because Earl, it's a star metal. So I don't know, but like, yeah, well, maybe because it was forged in the heart of a dying star in the comics. Like, I don't know what they're drawing from now. Cause again, not a big Thor fan. Uh, I would say I enjoyed the Thor book that John did, had did, on did you the list. It? And yeah, I read it. I enjoy that more I, than this one, even though that was like a continuing issue where I was like, okay, like, but again, like even like Vampironica New Blood, I jumped into that without having read what came before it, but I was able to give that and it does enough of a good job saying like, well, no, here's where we are now. Thor's one of uh, Galactus's heralds, which I remember you mentioning that in the list, like a couple weeks ago, like, and then it's just like bringing everything together. Like, I might not have known everything that was going on, but I was still able to enjoy it as a I read. I thought, 
versus this, where it's like, well, I'm able to get everything that's going on, but it's I not thought a good five because it was Thor issue five, and it was like the it seemed like it was a new start, and that's why I picked it. And then I started reading it, and I was like, Oof, we really need to have read the before issues because the big reveal at the end is like the whole reason I picked it because I thought it was a new start to the to the book with bringing back the god killer like oh man is this is huge like this is no it, but again like even with because the only thor stuff that i've read has been the thor stuff that we've read for the podcast even with that limited knowledge like i was still able to read this book with that kind of reverence and knowledge of like oh no like this is a this is an ongoing thing like this is a big deal no, is Jason Aaron's no, it's somebody else. Or is it somebody else? Okay, no, he's doing Avengers now. Uh, and the, that that Thor book was—it's just beautiful looking too. I thought it looks great. Oh yeah, it's, uh, which it's I do appreciate. Book. All the Thor books have had great artists on them. Uh, but enough about my books. Let's talk about Chris's books. Well, why don't we talk about my next beer first? And my next beer, much like my first beer, is coming from Boulevard Brewing Company out of Colorado. And this is their Steep Drop. And I say it that way because it does have an exclamation point on it. And uh, this is a nitro cold brew milk stout brewed with fair trade small batch coffee sitting at 5.2% ABV. Uh, This is actually the third can of it that I've opened tonight. I only drank like two and a half of it because it says it's a... Nitro cold brew milk stout. The first time I was taking sips of it, I was like, this is basically just like a really watery iced coffee. And then I actually looked at the can and then I realized because we had been talking like, oh no, this is the kind of nitro can that I need to like flip a few times and then do like an aggressive pour on it. So I dumped the one that I had, poured a second one, a little bit better. Um, I drank that first one with the first half of the books. I had poured myself another one for the last half of the books here. It's not bad. Um, again, six pack for like nine ninety nine. I look forward to drinking the rest of them, but it's not a great milk stout. It's not a great like coffee milk stout. Like it hits some of those notes, but it doesn't excel at any of them. It's not bad, though. I mean, I'll gladly drink the rest of it, but I had a um, a left-hand milk stout a couple days ago when I went out to eat, and I'm like, oh, this is perfect. Like, this is is what I wish that beer was at home, but you know what? Boulevard usually can knock things out a little bit better than this. Just a a light miss, you know? I was intrigued, though, because... Right on the shelf next to this, they did have their uh, Tank 7, their farmhouse. But it was branded with A Quiet Place <laughs> 2 stuff. So I don't know if there's some sort of like crossover between A Quiet Place and Boulevard Brewing that I didn't know about because I still haven't seen the first movie. Um, but yeah, that kind of just struck me as like one of those weird things. Like I understand walking through like a supermarket aisle and then seeing, oh, Wonder Woman's on the side of like a Pepsi or Coke case. Like that makes sense. But seeing a quiet place on the side of a Boulevard Brewing six pack made me just be like Especially uh, since it wasn't filmed down there, it was filmed up in our neck of the woods. It was filmed in Buffalo. So yeah, I don't get it. But yeah. Uh 
I was just at Dairy Queen yesterday for Monday Fun Day, Ape's Pick, and I got the the Wonder Woman Cookie Collision, and I was eating it, and I'm like, this doesn't remind me of Wonder Woman at all. <laughs> it's just like brownie pieces and cookie dough pieces, no bl- Oreo pieces. In a blizzard? And I would know. In a blizzard, yeah. And I'm like, you know what? Wasn't wasn't a good crossover. I will say, campaign. I stopped at. I uh, well, maybe okay. So maybe the cookie dough pieces, like like Cheeto, because they get like the dough with like the chocolate chips in it. Like, oh, it looks like Cheetah print. But I don't know, uh, like brownie for Wonder Woman. I don't know. I'm trying to think like like the marketing was, behind it. Why they're like, no, we're gonna take this and then this. And it was that vanilla this. ice cream or vanilla Dairy Queen ice cream. I'm gonna put that in quotes because. You know. They use like ice milk, and then they like put the chocolate flavoring to you know blizzard it together. So it's like a chocolate, but it's really it's not made with their chocolate ice cream. It's made with the vanilla ice cream with like a fudge like in it, and then the cookie dough pieces. I don't know. I do not recommend it. It is not as good as the Nerds Blizzard. Oh, that's my Nerds Blizzard. That might the Butterfinger would be my go-to. I got their new cheesecake one and yes they've had cheesecake for a while but this one had the mm-hmm. the strawberry oh, center strawberry and center. that was pretty good i enjoyed that a lot how did how, did the strawberry center hold up because i'm like that it, looked interesting not only me, did it hold up it held up it held up with me driving and eating too- it so it worked out fine for me because mm. i'm like the strawberries are either going to be way too syrupy and gross because they're way too over sugared and gross, or they're going to be like it, uh, icy and dried out and no, not taste like strawberries. It's the, so either way, it's I'm a not sweeter get strawberry, strawberry gooey thing that you'd have like in a strawberry cake. Like yeah. it's exactly okay. what I thought it was going to be, and I enjoyed it with the uh, mm-hmm. the cheesecake pieces. But we're not reviewing Dairy nice. Queen, Paul. What are you drinking? <laughs> oh jeez, I'm I'm drinking a. Uh, hey guys, remember how I said I didn't have any fruited beer? I'm I have the <laughs> Ellicottville Pineapple Upside Down Shake IPA. It's brewed with pineapple and cherry puree. Uh, puree. Puree. I can't say it. Puree. Uh, and this is easy, unlike that other beer I was drinking. Mm, somebody got a text message. Let's do. It wasn't me. Uh, it's decent. It's nice. Uh, I'm glad I picked it up. I think this is going to be good for that 4th of July weekend. Four days of uh, just drinking and flushing my wife's life <laughs> down the drain. I thought you going to say wife uh, down the drain. Uh, it, it's got a little bit of that pineapple and then it finishes with a little bit of the cherry. It's, it's okay. Again... Would I rather have a tiki drink than this? Yes. Like, but this scratches my itch more for a tiki drink than the uh, Stone Scorpion Bowl IPA. So this is uh, my closer. problem with this beer is it says it's a uh, it's got shake in the name, but it's not a milkshake IPA. Uh, no, there's no lactose, um, and it's also. You really have to hunt for those flavors. The pineapple and the cherry, yeah. like the cherry yeah. comes in. And the, the pineapple is a little bit there on the mid palate. Um th- this is actually the second 
batch of this. Uh, when the first batch came out, I had it, I think, early early COVID, if that's uh, a, how we can gauge time now. Um, okay. I think so. In the before times and yes. uh, uh, after the So I, I just was, I was shocked by the fact that they brought this back over some of the other things that they have done. Um, but people seem to really like it, and I just, they must not have had good beer. Yeah, and Elegantville, I think, has really come to their own in yeah. the past, like, two years. Like, they've done some really decent stuff. I like their, I usually like their Foggy series of, uh, So, these, these tall boy cans that they do are called their Publican series. And for the last two years, it's been in my top ten craft of the year. So we sell enough of this that it's one of our top craft beers that we sell for the last two years. Like, they make some really good stuff, but everything tends to sell. And this is something, this beer was one that people were actively seeking. And I've been selling a great amount of it with it coming back. Like, people just really seem to like it. Love it? Like I'm not going back to it. Well, do like, you think people buy it and love it because there's not enough of those flavors coming through? So it's kind of. More I think it approachable. is approachable, and I think it's got a fun label. Uh, it really kind of pops, and I think people do get that slight hint of stuff. I don't think they've had anything super fruited like Paul, you and Chris. You, you, we've had like those super fruited beers. So mm-hmm. it's kind of a novelty for them, and it's an entryway craft beer. If you liked Ellicott Blueberry, try our Pineapple Cherry beer. Yeah, it's about as blueberry as that. It's a, it's about as fruited as that blueberry beer. Um, I, I'm not gonna go. I'm not gonna buy it again. There's they got that. There's something about cherry, and that's a cherry got, sour. Um, that sh- I I've. I've heard some good things about that. I yeah. haven't tried it yet. There was another sour out that I was flying bison, but strawberry lemonade. Ooh, no, it wasn't that. Um, I was at. Uh, I bought all my beer today at uh, Wegman's. Uh, what Seneca? Is it? Uh, it's, yeah, Seneca Southgate Plaza, or not Southgate Plaza? What is it? Um, there used to be a mall there, but I forgot. I, I, yeah, West Seneca. It's fine. It's fine. Nobody cares. We're not here to <laughs> review Wegmans. We're here to review beer. Uh, mm-hmm. And my well third beer books. is the same as my second beer from Sloop Brewing Company. And this is No Tan Lines, part of their Nose series. Uh, Parenthetical. Um, no. And this... Well, because when you held the can up before, I just saw a tan no, line. No. And then you turned and I was uh, like, oh, no. No, 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 Well, no, we were no, reviewing no. the three comic books we reviewed before this. I was drinking this beer. And every once in a while, I'd take a sip and put it down. And I'd go, what did that taste like? I don't remember. And I'd take another sip, and we'd be talking, and then I'd go, what did that taste like? 
I don't remember. I don't. It didn't strike me as anything. It's extremely smooth, non-bitter beer that is forgettable. Like even now, like drinking it, like there's nothing that really stands out about it. It's just a super crushable beer. Like you can just you just swallow it in a couple chugs. And uh, oh, there's a kitty cat. Uh, but it's just, it's not, I'm, I am, I think for, for the first time, slightly, uh, disappointed in Sloop. The no series are usually amazing. No Santa, no pumpkin are absolutely delicious beers. Um, this is a beer with Citra, Cryo, and Cashmere hops, and you you would expect it to be popping like you'd you'd expect it to shoot the j from the outside like it's not it's not it's just uh very simple beer it's okay i'm sorry (laughs) sounds like all of our final beers are just kind of this it's something to drink yeah but man something to read i think are the current batch of DC Comics 80th anniversary specials that they've been doing because we're coming up on like two years of this now, but we're getting the 80th anniversary of all of like the big DC comic characters coming out. So we previously had Batman, Superman, and Wonder Woman, but now we're kind of getting to some of their ancillary characters. Um, we'll be talking about two of those books right now because one of them, uh, well, we also did Robin previously loved that one uh but this month we're talking about green lantern and we started off as a green lantern podcast so with the 80th anniversary of green lantern we have the green lantern 80th anniversary special 100 page spectacular um all these books 10 bucks a pop um but it's always 10 brand new stories told by some of like the top tier creators that have worked on these books or characters previously and i think I like the Green Lantern one a little bit more than the next one we'll be talking about uh, with Joker and a lot more than the one that we're not going to be talking about that I also bought Catwoman because so much of our time as Green Lantern fans has been spent reading a lot of these books, whether they came out while we were doing the podcast or paying homage to them previously, because we're going to touch on a little bit of all of those eras. Um, so we're going to kind of work through like from top to bottom with the first one being Alan Scott with dark things cannot stand light written by James Tinney the fourth with art by Gary Frank. Um, and this book made me realize, I don't know what Alan Scott's current status quo is in the DC rebirth era. I don't know which one we're in anymore because a lot of this one seems to be taking place with the earth Two green lantern, but that happened with the new 52, I think. So I don't know who this Alan Scott is anymore, uh, but it's Alan Scott going to visit someone uh, whose son has died in a railway accident, but it turns out that Alan Scott had this person as a lover. And we're once again, getting the homosexual Alan Scott that we got in the earth Two version of the story. I forget who wrote that. Was it Jeff Johns? No. Can anyone back me up on that? 
I think so. I, I, don't, I don't remember. It's been like a few it years since like, that came out. Unfortunately, like they decided that, oh yeah, Alan Scott's going to be a gay character, and then we're going to reboot the universe, and now he doesn't actually exist. Yeah, because we don't get the Alan Scott like we had previously yeah. with the current continuity Green Lanterns, which, much like Batman, they kind of tried to find a way to make everything that came before work in current continuity. But regardless of where in what universe this takes place, I think this is ultimately like a pretty well done story. Like, and I think it's right to start a Green Lantern 80th anniversary special with the original Green Lantern, Alan Scott, who doesn't, you know, get as much screen time as the rest of them. Yeah. I, I liked it because it was a good, it's like an origin story that wasn't quite an origin story for Alan Scott. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like, oh, this, yeah, be the thing, be the light in the world that the dark cannot stand against. If you got that light inside of you, then let, let it burn, that, like shine. And then he goes out. Yeah. Oh, this is, let it burn. And uh, he goes, and then he flies away from the porch wearing the full costume and everything. And he's now going to be Green Lantern. So, uh, as somebody that, you know, Scott. You know, got a special place in my heart as uh, you know one of the Justice Society characters. Uh, I, I, I felt like it all worked; it all hit. And Gary, okay. I mean cool. Gary Frank's art. Yeah, it just. Oh yeah, yeah. That's what I think makes us work because you get the emotion on those faces, and when he's like walking up, even James Sinian's writing, like when he's walking up to the the porch to talk to Doris. And she's like, do I know you? And he's like, no, ma'am, you don't. She's like, I already knew that. Like, I was just being polite. Like, you get those emotions from it. Because this is, it's an Alan Scott story. And just Alan Scott happens to be the Green Lantern at this point. Mm -hmm. And it kind of made me miss having Alan Scott around. Even though this, you know, quote unquote version of Alan Scott was introduced like a few years ago. I grew up with the Alan Scott who was that elder statesman of the DC universe who had, you know, two kids who went on to become superheroes in their own right with Obsidian and Jay that played their own roles in the bigger DC. And then became a younger man again and was what Sentinel or Sentinel or Sentinel. Yeah. Sentinel. But he still had, you know, his green lantern ring, which wasn't a green lantern ring. It was weak against wood. Like he, he still had his place in that world. And I, I kind of miss having that now. Like I miss, you know, the Green Lanterns having that. Jay yeah, I was going to character. I my phone. Uh, I miss Jay Garrick. I miss Wildcat. I miss the Jay. You know, the Justice Society. I miss it. Like, even if they, you just got like stuff, you know, out of continuity, like. There's got to be people who are want to write those books, you know. Get, tell Jeff Johns he can do it and let him. <laughs> let him. I mean, he's, he's he loves it. Before. it. Like, like, let him do it again. He's the reason I love those books. And I, there's there's there 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 isn't a reason why those characters aren't around. It's silly. What's Roy Thompson doing nowadays? Come on. I, I don't know. Uh, you know uh, I, I do believe that the 
DC Universe isn't the same without having both the Justice Society being the starting point and the uh, Legion of Superheroes being the end point. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, I, I, having those two bookends going on while telling the stories of what's happening currently in the DC Universe just makes sense. And I think they need to take... I, I know it's kind of uh, heresy to say, but I think, you know, editorially... You know, they should have that structure. Like, this is this is what started it. This is what's happening now, and this is how it plays out. Like, those are the stories that should be playing in the monthly books constantly. Like, just societies dealing with an issue. Their solution didn't solve the problem, but you know, kind of pushed it down. This is how it affects our present, and this is how it affects our future. So you need Jason Aaron to write. Like, that. I think that's. You, you need, yeah, you need old young Thor, old and then they all Thor, fight Avengers the moon. Thor, and know. old old man Thor. Like the DC, that's how the DC universe should be structured and should be running constantly. Because and they then, they built on that legacy, like they have always yeah. had that. Yeah. And when that's not happening, the DC universe doesn't feel correct or alive. It feels like it's just running amok into a crazy land. Of dystopian heavy metal future. Yeah, we need and Lois Lane writing for care. a newspaper, not for a dot com. Yeah. Which uh, we'll get to. <laughs> but spinning out of that, since we talked about Jeff Johns and the Justice Society, we have a Jeff Johns Ivan Reese chapter written about uh, Hal Jordan, you know, the go to Green Lantern. Uh, with Hal landing on a strange planet. He doesn't know where he is. His ring's about dead. Uh, it only has enough charge left to send out three messages. So he sends one out to the Green Lantern Corps, one to Batman, and then one to Carol Ferris. Um, again, when we do our lookbacks, spoilers in full effect, turns out the planet he's on is Earth, and it's just kind of one of those, like, oh, never going to hear the end of this moment. But I think this short, like, five-page story as it is does such a great job with Hal Jordan as a character and just paying homage to him and, like, who he is and what he loves and what made him that I think this is one of my favorite stories in this book. And it just looks gorgeous. I wish Ivan Rice could do Green Lantern all the time because it's beautiful. I don't feel it's as timeless as a story as it should be because they mentioned the Blue Lantern Corps. Mm-hmm. And also, if I was Hal Jordan and I was stranded on a planet that I didn't know and I had enough energy to send out three messages and then it would be keys for me, I'd be like, okay, let's just send out one and just wait a while. <laughs> like, but, I mean, it's... And then at the very last minute, I'll send out my dying message. Like, I wouldn't call Batman. I'm sorry. Even though if I'm going to be like, dude, you may be a better person, I don't think uh, I'm making that call. Well, I mean, he literally asks it, though, like, hey, can you send messages out? So it yeah. was, he, he already, he was at the, you're seeing hell at his, like, oh, like, I'm in it now. Like, I, the, the ring's dying enough that it can't tell me even, like, if I can breathe the atmosphere, like, what can I do at this point? And, like, he's just 
he's just putting those out there because like this the, is it for him. The you know? one thing I really like the story. The one thing at the end of the book, which is the Justice League all laughing at Hal as he sits with his arms folded, means Batman got that message and then was like, "You, you wouldn't believe what happened <laughs> to Hal," and it would have been a bet. Or, you know, it, it could have been a fact that Batman didn't say anything, and as soon as Hal walked in there, he's like, okay, yeah, fine. I got it, guys. And, like, Hal sold himself out. I, you, know, you never know. I would have liked... Sold I would have liked a, like... Because, one, it, like... I thought it would have been better if you have that... Uh, you have, like, the Flash there saying, like... And Guy told me, you were in Vegas the whole time. You're outside of Vegas. And then have well, and we. I was gonna say we do have a moment too because, like, Green Arrow's there too. So Hal could have even told Ollie, and then Ollie was on like, no. But no it guys would have this. been, I think, just like the better served of like that flash scene, and then Batman just being like Hal and say like, thank you, or you know, just give him a nod. I think that would have been a better, a a better moment than. The Justice League yeah. laughing at him yeah. because it it just seems like he sends that you, to yeah. Batman, and I think Batman Bruce Wayne would like appreciate that. This guy's got the most amazing power on his fist, and he looks up to me. He thinks I'm amazing. Yeah, and because Hell's like yeah. you never even needed a ring, like, and it was like I think just having that moment of even without them laughing without that flash moment of just Batman, like just saying like, thanks would have been a, just a, such a better moment. Like it could give you, give you goosebumps, you know, like, Oh wow. Like that just seemed better than the justice league laughing. Cause to me, Batman told everyone that's what that says to me. And Batman yeah. wouldn't tell them, you know, that's true. Batman that, no, that's, would just true, finally but, come up to him and say, "Yeah, you're welcome." I think this is the most fun of the well, stories yes. that we get, though. And I the think next, the next one is the Sinestro hmm. one. Oh, the, well, because the Sinestro one. Uh, moving into that one, this is, I think, my favorite story <laughs> in the whole book. Because uh, next up, we get a Sinestro story. Written by Colin Bunn, art by Doug Mankey, where it's basically Sinestro talking to a brand new Green Lantern recruit about what it means to and be a Green what Lantern. I did, what I did like about this is Colin uh, Bunn wrote the Sinestro series that was short-lived at yeah. DC. Uh, and I, I do still like that they keep the... Well, Sinestro's just, you know, he's hovering. He's floating slightly above the ground, but like, it's just that little bit of an edge to be like, no, he's always going to be over you. Mm-hmm. And he's talking about, like, these... I, I don't remember what they call the insect, like... The purge purge machines? Purge yeah, it's like these terrible, like, deadly machines that's like, oh, it doesn't even matter to him. Like, he's going to go off on his history and tell you how great he is and everything that he had to overcome. And you can do it too. You just, what do you fear? And then Green Lantern, like, I don't, I don't fear anything. Like that's what makes me Green Lantern. And then just Sinestro just selling it home. It's like, no, like if you have nothing to fear, you don't, 
hold anything of value. Like mm-hmm. fear is what makes you strong. And then just ultimately he kills this green lantern and then follows the ring to the next person. And be like, right, let's see what else you got. It's such a great Sinestro story. I, I wish we had more of this. This is uh, my favorite I, story in the, in the book. Is that sector, the sector that Sinestro is from, or is it a different sector? Uh, like, different, different sector. Cause okay. Sinestro is from the sector next to 2814. I think it's like 2815. Um, this sector is 1960. Uh, yeah, I I did really enjoy this, and like you said, like I just, but I love Sinestro being a dick yeah. in anything. But it's like, also that it. like this is what it means to be a Green Lantern. This is why I was great at it. I yeah, well, and that's the thing because they don't really mention it too much. But even though he's you know the head of the Yellow Lantern Corps, he still counts himself as like no, I was yeah. the greatest Green Lantern and. And it was like when he kills that guy and that ring goes off, it's like, I think he says like, hopefully the next recruit is better than this one. Like he wants good green lanterns. He still, he still thinks of himself, like you said, like as the greatest green lantern who oversees the green lanterns, even though he's their arch nemesis. And no, go, go for it, Paul. Yeah, go well, I, I thought he, I took it as that he was on a recruiting mission for the Sinestro Corps. I, well, I think it's, like, what do you I think think it's a little bit of like? both because there's that moment where, like, I don't know what kind of alien this is or what his name was, but he calls Sinestro a terrorist. And he's like, you yeah, know, terrorist. Like, that, I like that. Like, that fits. And I think a lot of it is because Sinestro's, at one point, there is almost like the recruitment speech was like, no, I can show you what it means to overcome fear. Mm-hmm. I if, stick if with me. And it could be in, pushed like, by when, will with your willpower pushed by fear. So the greatest power there can be. So it, it could go either way. just like showing you what it takes to be a green lantern or, you know, take that step past it. Like, you know, walk through that curtain, join the, the and I really enjoyed court. the art in this too. Even just like, yeah, it's the, like, like the shading on like that hatch. Yeah, Is Doug it Mankey Doug? Does a great job. Well, because there was a time when Doug, yeah, there was a time when Doug Makey, when he was doing the Green Lantern book, he had like really thick, dark lines, and everything just seemed like really saturated and heavy. Oh, super. this is a lot lighter, and because yeah, it was, um, he was on the Green Lantern Corps for with uh, Pete Tomasi. Mm-hmm. Like they were, they were great together. Yeah. But everybody looked a little yeah. killing in. Well, like yeah. when he. Everything the but this is all alien, so it works. Uh, next up, we get kind of a, I do a love flashback that, uh, story. Raphael, Grandpa, uh, Green Lantern. Yeah, we, we can take a second because we can talk. There are some pinups in this book. Uh, each one done by a different uh, comic book artist. We flip back to the the title page here because um, we get pinups done by. Uh, Jamal Campbell, Bruce Tim and Dave Stewart, Raphael Grandpa, Joel Jones, David LaFuente, Andy Tong, Sarah Stone, and Joe Stanton. Um, the Catwoman book that we're not talking about is going to have some like just it's like the Catwoman through the decades. Joker has some like the biggest Joker covers from throughout the years, which you've seen plaster all over everything. 
I like the fact that the Green Lantern one did those special one-offs. Like, it's not artwork that you've seen before. Like, we had with the Robin the Bruce- 80th anniversary. Yeah. Or the Robin ones where it's all, like, taken from covers or secret files. I love versions. the Bruce Tim one. And then I really like the, I like the Raphael Grandpa because it is the, um, like, it's the movie it's, costume. It's 2011, like, Hal Jordan. It, yeah, it's the Ryan Reynolds. But it, it looks look good, like, when it's drawn like that. Uh, but the next book we or story in the book is kind of a throwback one because this one's written by Denny O'Neill and Mike Grell, who did the Green Lantern, Green Arrow crossover series, uh, and very much takes place in that time frame because you're getting Green Lantern, Hell Jordan, and Oliver Queen, Green Arrow, in their comics, you know, from like the seventies. And I never read these books, but I really did like seeing Ollie back in that like the Super Friends costume, you know. Like the Robin Hood and like the tie, the tights and like the tunic. It that's the action figure that I had for Green Arrow growing up, and like it starts off with them like fighting the Clock King on top of a train, and then it just kind of becomes a more character based story with Hal coming back because he's well, been off for for a while. It's, and then, it's Oliver. It's Oliver Queen fighting the Clock no, King and letting it all go to shit. And Hal just showing up being like, oh, I saved the little girl. Like, well, I pretty much killed the Clock King, but fuck you, where have you been for the last, what, six months or year or so? Yeah. Uh, two months, two days. Because Thoreau went away for two years, two months, and two days uh, when he was writing Walden. Um, again, I would not read that Hard Traveling Heroes book, but I appreciate the fact that they brought back Mike Grell and Danny O'Neill, you know, two story comic book creators done amazing things at DC because when I got into reading, you know, Batman and Robin and Nightwing, you know, Danny O'Neill was already a legend at that time. And, you know, like 20, 30 years ago at this point. So having a new take on those stories, I think both of these guys still, still got like, this still reads great. It looks fantastic. It's done in that style, but it doesn't look it, it, it off. It doesn't at look all. off, but it doesn't. Uh, the feel of those characters, the the feel that the feel of those characters that I know is not like what we get in this book. And I like I looked at it right away mm-hmm. as soon as I saw Green Arrow. There, I knew exactly what they were doing. I looked at the creators. I knew what they were doing, and. It just feel it felt like, hey, these guy these guys did a classic run. Let's bring them back, but they didn't do anything. It didn't feel like they did anything new with these characters. They kind of rehashed that story from the past because they even get in the convertible and they're driving. It would have been better if they tried to tell a new story and had like somebody who read those read, read those books appreciated and loved them do a green arrow and green lantern story, you know, like to have these guys team up again, I would have loved a, I would have loved a better book than just been like, well, you've never read this book here, read this. I've read that book. It's, it's boring. It's, it's not a great book. See, I, I haven't read that book, but I like seeing these creators come back to tell a story, to 
pay homage, you know, to that book. Like I read this as a, this isn't going to make me want to read it, but I'm glad that I, this was included. I would in have loved a different creative team paying homage to these guys and those guys doing a different story within this book. I think that's what I was trying to say. I, I just don't understand the Green Lantern, Green Arrow team up. But, I'd much rather well, see a Hawkman. Green they have Arrow Green in both up. their names. <laughs> they do. They both have. They both like Wait. making boxing gloves yeah. hit people. Wait, they're both. I I, I think it's, it's just a in color their name. I, I just don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next one though. Uh, Holding close to my heart, we get a Kyle Rayner story written by Ron Mars, art by Daryl Banks, the creators of Kyle Rayner who heralded him into the DC universe. Uh, but this is Kyle going to a warehouse in New York City to get some of the old fixins from Guy Gardner's original Warriors superhero themed bar that he had. Uh, and then, it, you know, things, things go wrong. Uh, while Kyle's working alongside like this warehouse guy uh, and then kind of gets some smoke blown up his ass. I I like the story because it's Kyle Rayner and it kind of pays homage to the fact that Kyle was the torchbearer. I'm just kind of at the point now of reading Kyle as the torchbearer. I don't constantly need it reinforcing me. It's like, no, you're the one you kept, you kept the flame burning. You were there where no one else was. I, I know I get it. I think uh, Paul, the one that you were talking about coming up next for d- does a little bit better job of like, no, like we're, we're all in this together. Like, yeah, so the warehouse worker picks up the thing and then it comes to life. And I'm like, you just bop on, on its nose. Come on, everybody's <laughs> hit the nose. Have you seen Phantom Menace? <laughs> I have recently. Uh, I, I enjoyed. I enjoyed this one. I enjoyed those. I enjoyed those no, characters, but like they it's, take a look at Kyle's his history in the comic books, and they touch on all of those. And uh, I think that's what mm-hmm. I liked about it. And I think that's what I was missing with the story before that. I mean, I always, I'm always going to be a fan of just seeing Kyle in his crap mask glory. And I like that, you know, having Daryl Banks come back to do the story, you get what made Kyle different from hell as a Green Lantern because all this stuff was just, you know, giant monsters and robots. And then you get like mm-hmm. him with like the giant, like sci-fi style gun. And that all just stems from Kyle as the, the creative one, the I, illustrator. I still love that comic um, suit. Like, I love that suit. I, I I think it's cool. Yeah, I like I like the black and white. That's again that Kyle's always going to be my Green Lantern. So when when I see him back in that, even though they've done kind of the updated takes on it throughout the years, nothing hits like that. The white stripe. Yeah, oh, it's just like yeah, just like the black coming up with like Very the offset the offsetter logo, asymmetric all the way, uh, and. Uh, next up is our Guy Gardner and actually like surprisingly Kilowog story. And I have to go back to look at who did this one because I don't remember. Pizamasi, Fernando, or Son. Thank you. Um, but yeah, Passerin. 
Thassarin. Not sure pronunciation, but yeah. Can I uh, just say this, guys? You can say anything, please, Paul. This, if, this is if your you podcast, too. you guys are going to plan a surprise birthday party for me, please don't plan it around <laughs> the worst day of my life. Well, and also, don't, like, don't tell like, you that hey, some of your other... remember when you were really sad when your grandfather died? We're going to just remind you of that. And then surprise you with a birthday party. Uh, well, I think they were... you. The thought was there. They were trying to do it in a good way. I just don't think the best way to do it is to be like, hey, some of the other lanterns are in danger. We need to go on a mission to go save them. Uh, also, now, by the, the way, surprise, happy birthday. I, I like the sentiment there, just being like, no, oh, you guys remembered. Also, hey, I usually dread this day because my birthday just happened to fall on the day that my planet was destroyed and I lost everything. Uh, but I think it just there to like, tell him, like, no, his family's bigger than what was there on that planet. I don't think it's the best Killwalk story. I don't think it's the best Guy Gardner story. I think we get that in the upcoming four. I think we get that with at the beginning of this one with Guy at the bar telling stories to those rookie lanterns. It's like, that's the Guy Gardner I want to see. You know, yeah. I, want, I want to see that guy being like, eh, wait till I tell you this next one. Yeah, I like the end scene and the beginning scene so much better than the rest of the story. If they just like had Kilowog like working out and then these ho- Poozers. 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 Poozers come in and like try to work out with him and then he's telling stories about like, no, you need to be strong. Don't rely on your ring for everything. You gotta be physically ready to take on challenges and then Kilowog going through like stories of his past of like having to physically overcome issues while Guy is talking about like how great ring slinging is that would have been such a better story than this whole recreating the death of my planet yeah hey, that was birthday. weird but like to have the two characters that Pete Tomasi created I think having it more of a story about them than having them just appear being captured. Uh, no, this did feel weird. It it was nice that they did that, and for him to be like, well, you're my family now, kind of a thing. But yet... Yeah, but he could have had that you're my family now with him like talking to the oh, losers. Yeah, I'm telling you, Paul, you know, I'm telling about you. his story. It could have been done oh, okay. oh, so okay. different. I did love the Guy Gardner we get in this. Because it's the Pete Tomasi Guy Gardner. I love mm-hmm. him writing Guy. Uh, and I wish it was yeah. him and Kyle. Yeah, I, I miss like that buddy cop. Like the two of them. Like we had and the beginning of Green Lantern. hoping for like, that in this because it was like, oh, it's okay. It's Kilowog in him. Uh, it sh- it'll be it. It's still like a a offset of the characters. So you got a you got a good cop, bad cop kind of dynamic, thing. Yeah. Uh, but then like Kilowog so depressed the whole the whole, the whole book. Yeah. He's not even Kilowog and, uh, during the whole it's just, story. Um, I don't know. It's, just, it's I I wish it was better, but I still enjoyed it because it, it was Pete Masi and I got Pete Masi Green Guy Gardner in it. Yeah, and I mean, I like I like seeing a happy Kilowog, even though like 
you know, like it's the moment like I mean, like him talking to Moga, like oh, you even terraformed yourself mm-hmm. to have like the the feeling of a bull of X, whatever planet number. Um, okay, next one, not one of my favorites, but I appreciate that's in it much like the Danny O'Neill micro one. Uh, Reverse the polarity. Written by the widow of late Dwayne McDuffie, who you may know from writing Justice League of America. You probably know him, though, from his work on Justice League and Justice League Unlimited. Uh, but his his wife, Charlotte McDuffie, with art by Chris Cross. And we get a John Stewart, Shayera, Hawkgirl story with them going up against Dr. Polaris, one of the most forgettable DC Universe villains ever. And you know, bad, bad job on me. I don't know if she's written comic books before, or if she was someone that they had just approached to be like, Hey, we think it'd be nice if you told a story about these characters. It doesn't read bad. It, it reads like a justice league unlimited episode. Like there's nothing wrong with it, but I'm, I'm just not a big fan of Hawkgirl and John Stewart. Like they were kind of like the least interesting part of justice league for me. But again, I say, I mean, there's nothing wrong with this book. Like, it felt, it felt like a animated series yeah. issue, especially after reading this, like after reading the Batman, the Adventures uh, animated series, but uh, Adventures continue. I was like, oh, okay, I see what this is doing. I don't know if it belongs in the 80th anniversary issue of this book. Like, it feels out of place because. That story doesn't feel like it's from the comic books. It does feel from and what's like, it's like from the to me. What's funny is like so every Green Lantern's kind of getting their moment in this book, and this is the John Stewart we get, and it just feels like mm-hmm. it it could have been better, and then they could have made the art match the Justice League cartoon to make you know that that's where they're going from because otherwise. Yeah, Doctor Polaris's costume doesn't match his because series in the comic, but John Stewart and Shiera kind of look like you know the animated series. I'd say. Yeah, I, I mean, she has like the bigger like eyes. He's got kind of more the angular. Yeah, like especially like with with the hair too, like like the uh, like the high type sorry. that he's. No, got. you're fine. I just I'm and sorry, I just John, would have enjoyed maybe a better, better John Stewart story in this i think if i would have liked the comic books john stewart story well, i was gonna say I, I think if they had gone with like a john stewart like fatality comic because like she was kind of like his counterpart in the comic books that could have been well done but i think they just went this route because john stewart was the green lantern of justice league like i think a lot more people know John Stewart as the Justice League and Justice League Unlimited Green Lantern, then they know John Stewart as one of the previous Green Lanterns in the comics. So I think this was just kind of their way to pay homage to the fact that, like, no, this character has reached out and hit a lot more people that way. And again, like, I'll even kind of go back to the Alan Scott one at, at the beginning, where it's like, well, I don't know which version of Alan Scott this is. But I still like that they included him. I definitely know which version of John Stewart this is. And I, I'm still glad we kind of got to see it just because the way that they were able to use him to pay 
homage to Dwayne McDuffie, who did a lot with this character. And, you know, people know that there was a black Green Lantern out because of that cartoon. Dwayne McDuffie did a good run on Fantastic Four. Yeah, I would say even like his Justice League with like the scraps that he got, like that was a a decent read. Like that Red Arrow uh, Hawkgirl episode or issue, say episode because we're talking about cartoons. Uh, still great. Like when they're trapped in the building, that's like that's uh, Metzler collapsed. That was Metzler. Fantastic. Oh, that was twenty. 20- was that was that Metzler or was that Duffy? Was that right after? I think it was Metzler's during Metzler's run. Or was that during Metzler's run? Oh, I had to look up that now because I thought it was Dwayne McDuffie. Well, Dwayne McDuffie did have like the shit job of like carrying it after uh, Metzler, and then like carrying it on before like the crisis, the next crisis. Like it was like he was sandwiched in between but two things. Paul, the next one is uh, the one that you were kind of looking forward to. If you want to introduce that one while I'm doing some research, yeah. Uh, this is a issue where we're suddenly come across three old men, like sitting around a table at a bar, getting a picture that we never see actually set on the table. So that's weird. Uh, and just drinking some beers and telling old war stories. And as we're reading the uh, story, we re- realize it's John Stewart. Oh, yeah, but it's no, not it's... set. The picture's not set on the table. Yeah. Like the picture's all poured out. And. Um, Oh, that, that, was, that was Jake a Brad Al Meltzer Jordan. point, sorry. Uh, Art sorry. by Buried Alive, written by uh, Brad Meltzer, Art by Gene Ha. That is a good one, though. <laughs> Everything else I said still stands, though. <laughs> so, but it's Kyle Rayner, uh, Hal Jordan, and John Stewart, all uh, sitting around the table, all older, seem like they've been retired from the Green Lantern Court for a while, and reminiscing about their time together. Uh, the four of them, the four amigos, uh, with a with a glass poured, but an empty chair at the table. Uh, and I like the story. It reminds me a lot of like uh, the Batman animated. Almost series. got him. It, yep, he almost got him. Episode. Uh, it's what I strive to be when I'm an old man. Is just sitting around a bar in the middle of the day. Just talking with my friends. Hey, remember when we did episode 413 and we talked about being this? And you would be like, yeah, Paul, I can't believe I uh, you moved down to Florida or I moved to Albert, New Albert, Turkey, Mexico, Kana. Because it's the future. And it's Except one of us would have to be dead. Uh-huh. <laughs> No, there's three of us, so therefore the fourth does, never dies. Does that mean it's Edward Gray? Or, or Scott. <laughs> or our producer, Scott. Oh, yeah, Scott. Uh, so, you know, we don't know. But I, I really like this. It's, I, I like this one. I saw the... Uh, I don't even know if you can call it. Oh, I yeah. saw it coming. Like, Oh, yeah, yeah. Right uh, well, it took beginning. me a second to realize who the two other people were with. Because as soon as you see... Hell, Jordan. He's got the the white streaks on the side, so you know it's you know it's hell. And um, yeah, and all of a sudden, when you read the one where it's like, and then Hell flew by Sinestro, buck naked, and was like, "What are you look, or guy?" Uh, and he's guy. like, "What? What is it? Uh, yeah. See something you like, uh, Sinestro? Like 
then I was like, oh, so the fourth chair is for Guy. Well, I, I do want to say right at the beginning of it, let me go, let me go back. Mm-hmm. Um, saying now, like right when they're at the bar, she says, John, Kyle, so nice to see you. Has it been a year already? Like she introduces everyone that's sitting at the table. I think I was on a walk with my Mm -hmm. wife and child when I was, I was. Oh, I I will literally do a dramatic ring. Eileen, how have you been? Never age a day. That's not what my feet tell me, Hal. John, Kyle, so nice to see you. A year already? And then like two panels later, she's like, is Guy late again? regular bar. Well, I think too, like because they mentioned towards the end of it, like they've been doing this for 17 years now. Uh, she even says, like, oh, is Guy late again? Every year. Like, she knows them. Like, she's seen these guys come in, and they probably spend, you know, all day there, you know, telling their stories, like, reminiscing over everything. And I think that's, like, the fun of this this book. And I think it's a really done chapter in it. And I just wish that Guy kind of had his own standalone one in the book more than just him being like a supporting character in a tale he's well, not even in. It, uh, did you guys like the four chair, uh, four seats in a Mustang GT or whatever it was like? Why was that? Uh, that was fine. Well, that was something that's that came before. Oh. I can't remember, but it was in another uh, Robert Venditti book where like they're kind of like talking about themselves like. You know, like as those four horsemen, like they talk about how important it is that there's four of them there to protect Earth. I just can't remember which but it, arc or issue it was in. But it so does sound like something Hal would, that. or uh, guy guy would say. Yeah, yeah. Four chair, four seats in a Mustang GT. It's like really, there's no middle seat on the back. You're being like it's you're, just you're being a little Paul there, Paul. Nobody says bitch. Four seats. <laughs> don't think. Don't think about somebody sitting, bitch. Sure. <laughs> On the hump, I guess is the more politically correct way to say it. Sorry. Um. Yeah. I I, I liked it. I, I uh, just, it's uh, it's a callback to Hal Jordan and the Green Lantern Corps number thirty five, uh, back from twenty seventeen. Okay. Well, as long as it's a callback or something. Uh, Is there any more issues? And I'm, I'm reading the uh, just the review of it. Guy Gardner gets to be the main star in the issue. And like everything that they're saying, he says, four legs on a table, four walls on a house, four seats in a Mustang GT. We're the four corpsmen. You don't screw with what works, is the, the full quote. Uh. Uh, but yeah, we get, we get two more with a Jessica Cruz one. Uh, written by Mariko Tamaki with art by Mirka Andolfo. And then there's also a Simon Baz one, which art by Ramon Villabolos. Can't remember who wrote it. Uh, Cena Grace. Which the the two most recent Green Lanterns, I'm glad they do have presence in here. I do like the Jessica Cruz one more than the Simon Baz one. Because, like, there's something about, like, the Green Lantern that just kind of homestuck dealing with anxiety rings rings a little true to me. I don't know. 
I'm sorry, I was looking up the Mustang. <laughs> and yeah, there has not been a Mustang that seats five. It's always four. You, you don't trust Guy Gardner? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah. I know. No, I don't trust Guy Gardner. He's been punched too many times in the face. Uh, Jessica Cruz. Yeah. No, I, I, I like her story because her overcoming fear is more just that overcoming anxiety and the worrying about, well, what did you do that led you to this point? Because it must have been one of those earlier choices that you made that push you this and it's her pushing past that, uh, you know, is what she draws strength from. And the kitchen knife. And serrated better for, it's not better for dicing. It's, it's, it's better more, it's, it's better for bread too. Yeah. Cause you need the sawing motion. Uh, slicing you just want more of like a, a like a flat plate. Yeah, shift night. Yeah, it, it was okay. I, I, I'm. I feel the very same way about the uh, homegrown hero in the next issue. It's like, okay, cool, cool. Like, I, these aren't my grime lanterns yet. Like, I haven't see, read. I've, 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 I've read, read enough stories. of them that I I like them and appreciate them. But a lot of it, like, I'm not a big fan of the Ramon Villabolos art. Because he's kind of that Frank Whiteley style of artist where everything just looks like a sock full of meat. And I don't like that wavy line look to it. Um, there's nothing wrong with the actual story. I, I like Simon existing and operating as just kind of that, like, no, like, our people need to see you up there, like, watching over everybody. You know, it's not mm-hmm. just us. Like, you need to be out there. We need to go about our day. Like, we can't let the fear win, which is, you know, ultimately a Green Lantern trope to begin with. So I, I think the story fits. It works. I just kind of wish we would have gotten like a combined Simon and Jessica story because I think those characters are so intertwined. Like they are that, you know, Guy and Kyle, like these are the two characters that kind of work best when they're together. Because I like seeing them as partners. Uh, no, I mean these Johnny, are the last two are kind of the two characters I haven't read. I don't really have any super connection to. I kind of read them, and I was like, "Oh yeah, she's afraid of leaving the house." And then the Baz one, I, I, I didn't, I didn't mind that one. But again, you remember like. Baz is very aggre- like he was always really aggressive so it's like that's why they kind of were the yin and yang kind of characters I think yeah. to have had a really nice story about the two together would have made more sense because that's how they really kind of in my mind fit because that's the, the book I read yeah they're the book yeah, I yeah. read like, they're the oh, yeah, those two char- characters together that's how that's how I feel about it. Um, but and nothing wrong with that. Because uh, next up, we got the Joker 80th anniversary special, and I think this one we can probably get through a little bit quicker. Because um, yeah. I, I don't think there's too much that I need to say about this. Um, I really did enjoy the first story written by Scott Snyder with art by Jock Scars, where it's actually mm-hmm. like a like 
psychiatrists, you know, funded by the Wayne Foundation to help people deal with their run-ins with the Joker. Uh, and then things kind of hit a little bit closer to home. A Scott Snyder Joker story brings out everything that I like about the Joker, much like a Scott Snyder Batman story brings out everything I like about Batman. Like he has this way of kind of circling back and making everything matter that I, I really dug this one. Um, and it's great to see Jock doing, you know, more, you know, interior comic book stuff, because the last thing I think I saw him do was witches also with Scott Snyder, but that's just not a book that I wanted to con- yeah, uh, continue. Uh, on reading. I enjoyed this one too. I think I think you nailed you nailed everything there, Chris. Paul, it's, uh, I like it because it definitely ends in a very horror comic way. Mm-hmm. Like he wakes up, he sees the uh, leather rose that's there, and then it's the Joker hiding underneath his bed. Like it's it's a horror book at the in it. Slowly built to that, and then uh, uh, the next the book is it just me or is that young Kate, your wife, Paul? <laughs> it, it looks like her. At a uh, book, uh, all I'm gonna say. So yeah. So uh, next one, what comes after a joke, written by James Tinney and the Fourth, with art by Mikkel Janin. Uh, this is the introduction to the new kind of Joker psychic character since Harley Quinn's left punchline uh and we meet her as kind of that rebellious girl on the college campus uh who's you know on hero day at school she decided to wear a joker tank top when everyone else is wearing like green lantern or superman or batman uh but ultimately what we find out like this is her initiation into joker's inner circle and you know based off the fact that i've seen her in solicitations on covers for everything it looks like she passed her flying colors would the Joker hide in the closet? She... I mean, would he hide under well, someone's he's, bed? He's like... going to murder that. <laughs> he's going to murder that guy. Yeah. Yeah, but he watched He watched this girl, you know, dose someone else with, like, a homemade Joker gas. So I think the thing that we've gotten about the Joker in recent history is, like, no, whatever you think you know about the Joker, throw it out the window. This is This ain't your dad's Joker. Like, He's kind of a multi-purpose, multi-use character that you can do kind of anything with. And that's kind of what I like about some of the other stories that we get in this one. Because next up we get Kill the Batman, uh, written by Gary Whitta and Greg Miller, art by Dan Mora, where we're, we jump right into a world where we have Lois Lane reporting from the Batcave that, you know, Batman's dead. He was Bruce Wayne all along. We found this out from Alfred Pennyworth. And then we actually go to the celebration of both Batman and Bruce Wayne's lives in Gotham city, where the Joker's there like, well, you guys didn't know him. Like I know him. How can you lament his loss? Like we were such a big part of everyone's lives. Like, why are you all smiling? Don't you know the pain you should be I, feeling? I'm right sad. Now? You, you've why lost am I this. the only one sad? I I really dug this story. Like I like this little bit different take on it. Um, it, it, This one worked really well for me. Um, Paul. It worked uh, very well. I didn't want to say Alfred's alive again. 
I thought he's dead in the books. Well, I thought he was alive, but he had lost a hand at some point. Comic books. He lost a hand. I, I don't I, know. I, I don't think all these are so, in But again... And I was going to say, again, one this one's are. definitely like out of continuity, too. Alfred's so. alive, but Batman's dead in this book? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh... uh and who you like to tease? Like, oh, who else is going to come out and say they knew who Batman was all along? And I did like the nobody Mr. Freeze bit. Come out and say it. Uh, <laughs> oh, when he's, he makes the dad the jokes and like people are laughing at that. Like, and the Joker's upset that people are laughing at it. Mm-hmm. I, I I like that story a lot. Um, also, one of my favorites. Uh, the next one, introducing the Dove Corps. Written by Denny O'Neill. Again, you know, one of the legendary creators of DC coming into one of these 80th anniversaries like we had him in Green Lantern. Art by Jose Luis Garcia Lopez. Uh, this is the Joker joining the Dove Corps set up by... Yes. What is it? The UN? Yes, the UN. Who um, The Dove Corps is going to go into troublesome situations... And try to solve the problems with no casualties at all. So the Joker's going into a hostage situation uh, in the jungles. And things go well. I, I liked this one because it's a little tongue-in-cheek. He's it's, uh, yeah. killing Joke because he's wearing the Hawaiian shirt. He's got the hat. He gets he gets the camera. Oh, he gets the camera? He gets the camera? The one is like at the end when he just shoots everybody. I would have just liked it, like, him saying, like, oh, it's not just, like, itching powder or whatever it was that did that, but it's this. And then you just see everybody, like, with their skin melted off because he sprayed everybody with it. And it wasn't just itching powder. It was, you know, people uh, scratch themselves. Like, that would make more sense than him just having a, a weird revolver with, like, Nine, nine uh, bar- barrels on it. You know, up until that yeah. point, I enjoyed it because mm-hmm. it's just kind of this weird. Like, I need to get out. Maybe I'll join the Peace Corps. You know, like, why would the Joker do that? Why are these people let the Joker join? Yeah, <laughs> I think that's kind of the fun of that story too, because it's just that weird take on the Joker that it it works for the character because you know this is like a bunch of like out of continuity stories and you're just seeing it like it, it was fun I, I like that one more than I like the next one uh, The War Within written by Pete Tomasi art by Simone Bianchi uh, this one again it's a little bit more of the experimental books because you see Batman trying to fight his way th- through almost like a gauntlet to get to the Joker, but everything's kind of changing around them. So it's not necessarily actually happening because you're getting various incarnations of the Joker and Batman to fight through until you get to the point where it's the Joker dressed as Batman and it's more about the Joker trying to learn everything he can about Batman because that's going to make him better and make Batman suffer. 
Yeah, I was lost in this, especially at the very end, because the Joker shoot in in the same kind of a uh, tropical dress, uh, shoots Batman, and then he takes off the mask, and it's Joker. So I don't who well, who's I, fighting who I, again? Like it's called the War Within, and I think this is kind of that different take on the Joker, like where you're seeing inside his head. Almost uh, like sorry, siren going by. Um, almost like we had with the previous story, where it's like, how does the Joker work with Batman? Well, once he doesn't have Batman there, he doesn't know what to do. And I think you're seeing just that thought process on Joker's side of things, like why he needs Batman there. Mm-hmm. So I think you're just seeing the thought process, of like how and he I, justifies like, it. When I first started reading it. I was okay with it. And then I was like, oh, look, it's it's all the different Jokers. Like, it's this Joker. It's that Joker. It's the, you know, the one panel you have, like, the Jared Leto Joker. You have Jack Nicholson Joker. Yeah. You have the Brian Ezri. The, I the think Brian Ezriello Joker. Then you have the beautiful. Joker from the cartoon where he had the dreadlocks. Like... And one of those stu- stupid animated ones, and then, yep, and the Batman when he gets shot by like the Killing Joke thing, I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. But then when it's like, yeah, but it's me, the Joker, the whole time, I was like, mm, it's, it's kind of pizza. And then I was like, oh, Pizza Masi wrote this, really? It was stupid. Uh, the book does look. I mean, the, it does look good. I do like the art in it, but the story was wasn't the best. Yeah, trying too hard. Not a great one. Uh, I will say I like. I have the same. Oh, go ahead, Paul. I'm going to have the same problem with the Brian Azzarello one later on, where it's. Uh, I will say I have no problems with the next one, which is the Last Smile, written by Paul Dini, art by Riley Rossmo, because this is. This is a really fun book, and reading this reminded me of like the Bizarro comics that we had like a while ago, where it was like Bizarro teamed up with like Jimmy Olsen on like their cross country like adventure, where it's the Joker telling Harley he Quinn has. about a nightmare that he had, uh, and then he has like yeah, it's a recurring it's thing. The only dream. Uh, I I really like this one, and I think this is what I like about Paul Dini writing these characters that I didn't get from Batman, the adventures continue. Uh, Because I think this is a a better use of Paul Dini's talents because it tells a great Joker and Batman and, you know, Harley Quinn story. Then I, then that Batman adventures continue one because just him, like as he's facing down being put into the electric chair and it's like, all right, guys get ready for this. Here, Here we are. Um, and then Batman just laughing at him. It's like, well, why is he laughing? Like, you, you shouldn't be doing that. Um, I, I really the, dug this the one. The final a scene lot. where it's Harley telling Poison Ivy after she had left him, and it's just like, boy, that's weird. Like, yeah. And the worst thing is, like, the reason I left because I was never in the dream. Like, uh, yeah. and then the next, mm-hmm. the next Joker story I kind of liked is. Yeah, I, I I actually really did like this one. I can see Paul not liking it, right? But because again, this is a uh, Tom Taylor art by Eduardo Rizzo, who did 
a hundred bullets. So like, as soon as I saw like the first, like three panels, I'm like, Oh, this is Rizzo artwork. And then like, I see like at the bottom of the page, I'm like, Oh yeah. Um, uh, yeah. John, you can go ahead and introduce. No, I like that. I, I really like it, but it's like a it. little kid pulling the wings off of like grass and the legs off of grasshoppers. Oh, <laughs> and, uh, Paul doesn't and the like Joker that. I comes it. up and he's start, the kid starts talking to him and he starts talking to the kid and it's the kid's birthday party. Joker's there to see his dad. And then uh, talking to this creepy little kid, Joker then goes out and forces people to come to his birthday party because nobody showed up. He's he's like in the kitchen. He's making food, and he's like he's telling kids like at the playground like wrap up your best toys, bring and, them to uh, the party. You know the dad shows up. Joker's a little more lenient on him because he only cuts off uh, like three fingers versus just murdering him. And then, like, leaves the party, and the little kid comes and gives him his kill box with the bugs. Joker gives him a big hug, and he's like, I'll be here next year, too. And he's, like, staring at the father, like, you better have a better party plan for this kid. Like, it the, the art doesn't fit, like, the tone of the book, because the art is really dark and gritty. But, like... I think the message is kind of fun in it. As soon as Joker sat down with the kid, I was like, oh, Joker's going to like this kid. And then, like, when he's threatening the kids on the playground, when he just kicks open the door, and he's like, do you know this? Do you know him? Why aren't you at his party? Like, show up. And then they're all, like, singing happy birthday in the background. It... Uh, I, I like Eduardo Rizzo artwork a lot. And you can say, like, well, everyone looks gross and ugly. And it's like, yeah, he draws books where everyone in them are gross and ugly. Like, you're not supposed to like any of the people that he's portraying because they're literally all terrible. Like, very few people in the worlds that he brings to life have any kind of redeeming qualities to them. Uh, I did like this story a lot. Like, And again, this is kind of like that Eduardo, or not, I'm sorry, uh, the Brian Ezra Joker hardcover book that came out a while ago, where you're seeing the Joker interacting with one of those people that just kind of gets caught in his life, which, you know, a bunch of these stories are, but, you know, this is a henchman that he thinks probably sold him out for something and he's going to kill him, but then he finds out it's his kid's birthday and that just kind of sets him on this completely different path. It's just fun. Now, Paul, tell us why we're wrong. Uh, I can't. I understand why you guys enjoy it. It just was so off-putting. And it's a Joker story. Yeah. It's supposed to be off-putting. You're not supposed to like the kid. You're not supposed to like the Joker. You're not supposed to like anything that's happening. And guess what? I didn't. I didn't like anything that was happening. I'm like, oh, this kid is pulling off the legs off of bugs. He's awful. Why? Why is he the linchpin? Like, why do I feel bad that he doesn't get a birthday party? Why do I feel bad that the Joker has to help kids in the neighborhood to, like, just don't mind the smell, don't mind his odor, you're going to be there, be a great guest. guest. It's like, ugh. Uh, well, next up, I again, another one. Actually, kind of, now that I'm thinking back on it, I enjoy it. Uh, no Heroes by Eduardo Medeiros with art by... Raphael Albuquerque. And this is just telling the story of a bank heist where 
there's an intern at the bank that decides he's going to step up, you know, flight or fight. He has that moment where he sees the exit, but he decides like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to fight my way out of here. And that just leads him into, into battle with the Joker. And the Joker's, well, why? Like, you don't owe anything to these people. Like the only thing you have in common is you've worked together at this terrible soul crushing job. Like what the hell? Uh, I think I, I really like this one. I, I need to kind of go back through it again. Uh, so someone uh, I think else talk. The for thing it. that I like is when he's done having those moments with, with the kid, he shoots everybody but him. And you do see that again, like with the dove one, the Joker shoots the dove team, but you can still see the hostages like in the background, not dead. Like it's just those weird kind of things where he has this whole spiel and then leaves this kid alive, but he kills everyone else. And it's uh, this one I thought was oh, okay. And it's told like the first panel is the kid captured. And then you see how he got to that point. Um, this, I, it was a good one. And like the, when we, when, I, I do. It's Raphael Albuquerque on art too, and I haven't seen him in anything since I was reading American Vampire. So I, I think when I got to the end and I saw that he had done this one, I was like, "Oh, I, sh- I should I go back say, and like, read that." Before we started talking about this book, I was like, "Well, I liked a couple of the stories, but it, overall, it wasn't a great Joker book." But now that we're going through it, I'm like, "No, it's a pretty good Joker book." I. I'm I'm warming up to stuff more now that we're talking about it. The Catwoman one's still not great. Like you guys can go read that one if you want. Like there's a couple good stories in that, but I think Joker was more worth like reading and discussing. Uh, but but Paul, <laughs> you worked in a bank. Fight or flight? Uh, actually, there is a whole series of things you're supposed to do during a bank robbery. Well, we see oh, him hit the alarm. He does that. He does hit the alarm. Also, you can uh, change the blinds. Uh, blinds are often a symbol for uh, a bank in distress. Like if a window is half covered or fully covered, uh, it depends on the bank and the, what they've worked out with the local police department because the local police will do a will do drive-bys of banks, your bank branches, every so often. So if they see a blinds like half open or half closed or something like that, they'll know that there's a bank under stress. So, um, so he probably didn't need to do all that. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Uh, he could have, he already hit the alarm. He could have stayed quiet. Uh, in those situations, you're supposed to, it's either run, fight, uh, run, hide, or fight. And instead of running, he decided to fight, which is actually a way to end up dead. And in fact, it, it made people end up more dead than if he just ran. Less people would have died if he just ran. So, yeah, but do we know that? This is—I mean, it's a Joker story. Just saying, it is a Joker story. But yeah. Uh, sorry, get back. <laughs> you uh, asked me as an employee of a bank back in the day, <laughs> uh, and that's what I would have. That's 
Well, as, a, as an employee of the bank, Paul's saying the most important person is our customers. So, yes. yes. Uh, next up, we have Penance by Tony Daniel and Tom, Tom, Tamu Mori. Uh, but Tamu Mori just has the colors because this one's written and drawn by Tony Daniel, uh, who worked on Batman during the New 52 relaunch. I think he wrote and drew Batman, and that was the one where he had Joker coming back with his face stitched on. So, yes, he does have a history with this character. Um, an interesting Batman story, it, or Joker story. Not my favorite in the book, not my least favorite. It's kind of middling. There's there's nothing wrong with this one. Um, but it's a, you know, one of the run-of-the-mill gangsters having confession, talking of just about how he kind of had this pass-by moment with the Joker and how he's kind of got to keep going on and ultimately going to try to pay him back. I like the grounded look at the Joker a little bit more. Uh, but yeah, this this one um, not great, not bad. Yeah, this one just didn't get me. Yeah, there's it's just it's missing something that I think some of the other ones this book had. Like, I like the idea of him going to confession, and talking about like, no, I'm having a dream. I'm I'm the Batman, and I gotta go get him. But every night I get a little bit better. Uh, but you know what? Ultimately, when it comes down to it, I'm just, I'm going to meet the guy and tell him, like, hey, we're going to have a meeting, and then I'm just going to shoot him. Turns out, no, it's actually the Joker that he's giving his confession to. Yeah. That's it. Uh, then we can a really good Fiona Staples Joker pinup that I really dig. Um, With him filling up that uh, uh, balloon in a very... Uh, the, the phallic yeah, balloon. Suggestive way. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and then we get our final one. Uh, Two Fell Into the Hornet's Nest, written by Brian Azrael, art by Lee Bermijo. You guys didn't like this one? Because this is kind of like the most, like, the psych, like, psychiatrically well, it's, broken it, Joker. Like, and I, it's I like very, the art in it. I'll, I'll give it that. It's, like, it's, pul- it's, it's pulpy. One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest is really what it's doing, even with the lobotomy and then throwing the Superman out the window and escaping, like, the nurse, you know, there's definitely Nurse Cratchit in this, like, it's Brian Esriello, like, wrote this after he watched One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Mm -hmm. Oh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Two Two fell fell in Hornet's Nest. Oh, the rhymes, and it's also two instead of one. I wouldn't have caught that. Good job, John. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't really like this. This seems like, okay, it's just a, a whatever story, and since I didn't read One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, I didn't get it. I So, there it is. I, uh, I just I thought it. I, it, it was okay. Um, I like the art, but the art is also, like, kind of all over the place. And I think... Well, I think... So, I think what you need to do, though, is just, while we're talking, look up Lee Bermijo's, like, normal artwork style. Because, I don't know if you remember, 
uh, Wednesday Comics. He's the one that did the Superman chapters of those. So he does like a very realistic, like heavy painted style. Like he's done a lot of um, covers too. So I'm used to seeing that style of artwork. So to see him do this kind of 1940s pulp, like you see like the coloring dots on it. I didn't know he was capable of doing this kind of work. So for, he also did the the Joker yeah. hardcover graphic yeah. novel with um, it, Brian Israel. I, I I think it just shows his strength as a as an artist that he can he can do this kind of stuff because it looks so different. Oh, he also did the Batman uh, the Damned book with Brian Azzarello. Oh, so when you saw Bat- yeah, when you saw Batman's stick, uh, this is the guy that drew it. And after that, that was the, like the only issue or how I think there was like, a, I think there was like three, but then it got delayed and then just yeah, kind of fell off. Uh, yeah. I don't, I don't love it. I don't hate it. I appreciate it. And obviously I caught that it was one flew over the cuckoo's nest. Um, and I like that it's kind of a Joker homage to that because Jack Nicholson was in the movie. Jack Nicholson played Joker. Like, yeah. So oh, see, I, I didn't even I, put that together. Uh, we got to be a cinephile. Uh, I appreciated it, but I didn't love it. I, I, out of the stories, Chris, I mean, you and I are pretty much right on with everything. All the Joker stories we liked. <laughs> I, I didn't think Paul would like many of these, so. Yeah, I don't know. But Paul, you know what? Uh, we didn't talk about it on the show, but check out the Catwoman one. Okay. Um, yeah, maybe the, I'll like that one more. The Pia Guerra, and I can't remember who wrote it, stories kind of fun, like out of continuity. Um, and then I don't know who wrote it, but it's like the Bruce Wayne and Santa Kyle having a daughter one. Like, there's some good stuff in there. Oh, and then the the Ed Brubaker. Like, there's three stories oh. in there. It's like, okay, like, if this wasn't in, like, a 100-page story, if it had just been, like, a 60-page with those three, I'd been like, oh, this is this is a great book. Like, if you like Catwoman, or have an interest in Catwoman, check this out. But, yeah. Ultimately, uh, Joker I, I had more going on. on. Well, you know what that means, guys. Time for a power ranking. Uh, you, you knew it was going to happen. I mean, Don't do we have to? Because like we, just, we just talked for, like, three hours. Yeah. I don't know, but if I have to pick power ranking, uh, just off the top of my dome, uh, Green Lantern 80th Anniversary, Vampironica, Joker, the Sea of <laughs> Sea of Stars book that we didn't actually have to read, <laughs> then the Thor book that we didn't have to actually read, and then Avengers 33. Oh. Uh. I think I would do uh, Green John, Lantern, you ready or no? Joker, Vampironica, Batman, and then uh, Aven- Avengers. Oh, I forgot about Batman. I would do uh, Vampironica 1, Batman the Animated con- uh, Story Continues, Green Lantern, then Avengers, and then Joker. So. I did not <laughs> enjoy reading the Joker books. 
It's okay. It's okay. Because I don't care about punchline. I don't care about exp- delving more into the Joker. The Joker should show up just to be the force of nature at the very end of everything and just, like, mess everything up. Like, yeah. I don't know. Well, that's too many okay. Joker stories. Too, too much Joker. I, I can get that. You just read 100 pages of Joker at once. But you know what? We also just talked for all these comic books for three hours. We drank a bunch. Mm-hmm. We had some good talks. Uh, I love you guys. And hopefully you love us as a podcast. Rate and review us. Do the things. Email us. Bangborecast at gmail.com. Like us. Subscribe. Do all that stuff. I got nothing else to say. <laughs> <laughs>